The name's Bond. James Bond. What do you think you're doing? Keeping the British hand up, sir. Grow up, 007. <laughs> this never happened to the other fellow. I'm the man. Every penny of it. So you put your money where your mouth is. It's quite a nice little nothing you're almost wearing. I approve. I'll do anything for a woman with a knife. And then he's found with a dead of Kill Bond, now. To the right, to the right, to the right. Shocking, positively shocking. You get your clothes on, I'll buy you a nice train. Breathe, uh, <laughs> everybody, because we're here. <laughs> we are finally here. This is an episode that is... Six years in the making, uh, six weeks in the making for some, and six hours in the making for others. Uh, finally, the movie that's been more delayed than any other movie has been delayed even more. Uh, but we are here, even Roger Moore. <laughs> Unfortunately, not to talk about Roger Moore, we're talking about No Time to Die. Colin, we've spoilers this time. <laughs> Finally. How did you do that episode? I haven't listened to it yet. Yeah, uh, I listened back to that today and I'm like, wow, we actually didn't spoil things. That's amazing. Uh, we are here, uh, I mean, in true professional 007 style. We we are the, we don't want to be first. We want to be the last James Bond podcast to put out a No Time to Die reaction. Thanks, Thanks, ben. Australia. Blame Sydney and Melbourne. Come on. Uh, but finally, uh, you've probably listened to Martin Collins, but now all three of the hosts have seen this damn movie that we've waited so long for. Uh, so we're on here to chat about it and we'll get into the nitty gritty soon. But first I will say that my name is Noah and die, Ben, die. <laughs> And my name is Colin, and Noah, my God, you are thirsty at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> and my name is Ben, and you just killed James Bond. No, <laughs> <laughs> it was. Uh, I hope not. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, we couldn't use that one in the non-spoiler uh, reaction. Uh, I will say, we're going to just get into it, but I, I want to preface it by saying that... Uh, Ben saw this. All of us have seen this movie in the last 24 hours. Uh, I saw it on my shitty old laptop. Uh, Colin, you saw it the 3D version, right? Mm-hmm. Oh. Which you can maybe talk about in a bit. And Ben saw it for the first time uh, <laughs> twice today in the cinema. Uh, the first day in Australia. Um, so all three of us have seen it fresh. Uh, I saw it for the first time six weeks ago. <laughs> Colin, five weeks ago, we've been chomping at the bits. Um, but I want to just say that me and Colin talked off air after our non-spoiler, but we have not talked to Ben at all about the kind of contents of our feelings about this movie. And Just the soundtrack. <laughs> just the soundtrack. And as far as I know, Ben has not listened to anything. We told him not to. Nothing. Did you stick to that, Ben? A hundred percent. Even when I um, edited the a reaction episode, which is now available, um, I like I listened to like maybe the slight beginning and the end of each viewers just to cue it up on the sound. I didn't even skim through. I literally one hundred percent have no fucking clue what you either either of you think of this movie. No idea. It, it, it was just two uh, anti-Ben tirades, so <laughs> we snuck that in. Uh, but so we have no idea how Ben feels oh about this God. film, and th- that scares me a lot. Uh, 
And and Ben has no idea how we feel about this film, and that probably scares him also. Uh, so before we jump into it, I'm just going to say this is a reaction episode. It's not the recap. We're going to do that when maybe in the new year. Um, so it will be all over the shop, and I feel like there's an elephant in the room that's a good starting point. Uh, but we're, we're not calling out of this. He's not that bad. <laughs> We're not going to recap the film. We're just going to have a natural conversation for an hour, two hours, whatever, and then later we'll do the actual uh, recap. Uh, there is a an obvious starting point to talk about, but before that, I want to give the room to Ben Waterworth because you've waited that excruciating six weeks uh, after the rest of the world saw this film. We don't know how you feel about it. There's a lot to get into but let's let's just give Ben the floor to hear his immediate reaction. And I, my heart is racing. I'm so scared right now. Who, who is your floor? Uh, I speak English. <laughs> I just want to say that I could have watched this movie last night because it was online. I could have watched this on my couch, but I didn't. I somehow avoided every spoiler. Literally nothing was spoiled for me, which I am so glad because this movie was an experience to watch not being spoiled. Um, okay. I, oh God, here we go. <laughs> I really, really liked this movie, okay. but I'm, I'm confused how I feel about the ending. <laughs> like, like it's, I was on board with everything in this movie. I'm watching okay. this and I'm like, oh my God, this is great. Like, we're, we're back to, like, whack shit crazy Bond. We've literally got mini robots in your bloodstream. Like, <laughs> fuck yes, this is great. Like, this is crazy Bond. It was funny. Uh, you know, Craig was, like, brilliant, like, on point. And I'm, like, I'm, pre- I'm predicting things ticking off. And, like, they, like we, we should have mentioned these spoilers. And I think kind of, you know, whatever, whatever. As soon as they killed Felix, I'm like, you can't kill Felix. But all right, I'll go along with it. And then it was like Blofeld dies. I'm like, can't kill Blofeld, all right, you know, whatever. And then a child shows up and I'm like, no, they wouldn't go that path, would they? Like, okay, oh, no, it's not, it's not his. That's all right, cool. And then clearly it is. And I'm like, oh, Daddy Bond, fuck off. Like, I'm not on board with this. And then I'm like, all right, well, it can't get any worse. And then all of a sudden it was like, they killed James Bond. <laughs> like... I, I don't, I still don't know. I've seen this movie twice now in like 12 hours and I still, I don't know because I like this movie. Like I was, oh, I just, I don't know what you think. You're probably looking at me going, oh, typical Ben, we thought he would. But like, I just, I, I don't know how to react. I feel sorry for Danny Boyle, first of all. Um, like, wasn't he fired because he wanted to kill James Bond? And they're all like, no, like you can't kill James Bond. You're fired. Maybe that was false and maybe it was the other way around, actually. Maybe yeah. <laughs> he wanted to save James. You just saved James Bond. <laughs> but I, it's like it's one of these things where it at the end of the day, like the the back and forth we were all saying, kind of skirting around our feelings. A second viewing definitely added to this. A third thought, like, it, it helps when you know what happens at the end because, like, I am so in shock at the end that I'm barely taking the end and I'm working things out. But, um, it's a fucking bold move, and I don't know how I feel about it. Like, I, I, yeah, my opinions are changing by the minute. I have no idea. So, uh, does that give you an answer? I don't know. I, I like I the just movie. Wanna say, <laughs> I, I just want to say, um, when we finished recording, 
Uh, I think the first thing that no one I said is that, yeah, uh, what do you want to bet if anybody's going to hate this movie? It's going to be Ben. And then not even two or three hours later, our good friend Nick Chester from uh, one of our co-hosts from the Oz Network messaged me. Oh, what did you think of No Time to Die? So I'm giving my opinions. He goes, yeah, this is what I thought. It's like, by the way, I think Ben's probably going to hate it. <laughs> well, I just want to say, I, I'll say this in our off air. I actually messaged Nick today and I said that like next week when we record Breaking Bad over on the Oz Network, I'm like, we might need to clear up half an hour or so before I had to talk it. And Nick gave me his opinions and like we had a bit of a back and forth. But I, I'm surprised that you think I would hate it. Like, because I, I, for some reason, I, I'm watching this the second time around going, Colin's going to hate that. Noah's going to hate that. That's going to piss Colin off. Colin's going to say this about this scene. I'm going to like this bit and Colin's going to hate that bit. And, like, I'm legitimately the first time going, wow, I'm really into this movie. Like, like both times it went by in a flash. It did not feel like it was two hours and 45 minutes. And I'm going like, oh, my God, why do I feel that these two are going to hate this movie and I'm going to like it? This is, this is Die Another Day. I'm thinking, like, nanobots, they're laughing at this shit. They're not liking this at all. Um, but, no, I, I, I genuinely like this movie, but the ending, I just don't know. <laughs> yeah. So you two uh, both like it. You both like it. Yeah. What did you yeah, rate it? Can I ask you what did you rate it on the Oz Network? Because that's been killing me for six weeks. Oh, we obviously bought it. You both bought oh, it. Okay, phew. Yeah. I'm going to buy it too. There you go. All right. <laughs> uh, All right, episode sure done. We, we talked, uh, I think, maybe last week, and I said, well, what's your kind of final, how are you feeling? And you said... Oh, I just have this feeling that y- you and Colin and Nick just all absolutely hate this film. <laughs> uh, I'm thinking, oh, love, it's going to be the other way around. I think you're going to hate this film. Yeah. <laughs> I hate the film. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it, no. Wow, uh, look at us all agreeing. Oh, we, we all agree and... Uh, Obviously, I've got the six-week hindsight, three viewings, Colin, pretty much the same. Uh, so we all agree, but that's not to say this film is perfect, and that's oh, not to say, it's not. <laughs> and that's not to say that even at the end, I still I have my feelings. But even I do tend to agree with you a lot. Uh, so yeah, we're we're being all very uh, positive, and I am positive on this film. Uh, and there's just so much now coming back to me racing through my head. But uh, yeah, I think the kind of general consensus, some people hate it, some people love it, but I think the general consensus is it's sort of in the middle. And I said this in our non-spoiler that there's 25 of these movies. They're going to be in the middle. You don't go into a new Bond film thinking it's going to be the best or the worst. And to me, it came out, I couldn't rank it, but it came out somewhere in the middle. It had good things, it had bad things, but it was just such a joy to watch a James Bond film again six years after. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, as far as, like, the ending goes, I I, I agree with you completely, Ben. Like, you need to die just a second time, and people will hear our initial reaction episodes, the ones that we recorded minutes after seeing this. And in that, uh, I'm talking to Jamie, and the first thing I said is I repeated exactly what I said in the theater. The movie ends, the credits roll, Jamie's just staring at me. And I just sort of look at him like, I'm going to need a couple of minutes here. Yeah. I don't, I, I, <laughs> and then we're recording a few minutes later, and I'm, I'm positive on it, but I'm like, yeah, you know, it's still, I'm pretty sure my opinion is going to flip-flop. Noah and I recorded hours after that. I think it was a couple hours after we recorded, I messaged Noah again and said, you know, I think that I'm more okay with this than I was even a couple hours ago. And uh, the biggest thing, I, the takeaway I'll have after three viewings, five, six weeks, whatever, is that uh, I, 
I really don't mind this ending at all. I, I think that it's it's okay to accept this ending. Uh, one of the things that you know, Noah, you mentioned is that 25 movies, one day this will just be remembered as the one he dies in. You know, there is James Bond will return. This is just okay. We're ending this continuity. We'll have a lot of opinions on that later. Uh, but is it was it necessary? I think even on my third viewing, I'm watching it. I, I'm not critical of it. I'm not like, oh, they should never have done that. But was there a way to write this ending where you don't kill him and you still accomplish all the goals, maybe even have a better, more tragic ending, more appropriate ending? I'm still thinking there was a way to do that. But flip a coin doesn't matter to me whether you kill him or don't kill him. You needed to end it one way or the other. I think um, the one thing I want to say before I forget this is that I am glad that they made this into such a talking point, that they brought such a twist because I don't think any of us have experienced in any James Bond movie in our lifetime seeing at the cinema something that has brought this much talking. Like, like we didn't come out of Spectre going like, I mean, there were a few things, but there wasn't anything like major. Like, this is, to me, the Luke, I'm your father. No, sorry, no, I am your father of James Bond, right? Even more so than Tracy's death because of how it happens. And it's like, that to me is what I'm, I'm, I'm glad. Like, that's why I'm so happy I avoided spoilers. Because, like, I think even this could have been a talking point if, like, Bond doesn't die and just Felix dies. We'd be going, oh, my God, that killed Felix. Like, shit. But Felix you killed of- Felix Leiter. <laughs> <laughs> a genuine death of Felix Leiter. But, like, it, I think, to like, th- that we've experienced that in cinema. And, like, uh, Noah, you said a few times, like, I'm glad we saw this in the big screen. Cause imagine seeing this on, like, you know, Amazon. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be the same. But I think that... I don't know if we're going to talk about in this episode or it'll be something we talk about in the recap or, like, the Craig Redux. But, like, there are two... There are two key things I'm thinking how they can continue Bond on. Because I stayed. I was busting for a piss, but I stayed to see those words. James Bond will return at the edge. So like, there's, there's, there's two things that I think that can easily continue. Well, maybe three. But I, I'm with you, Colin. Like, I, I've already thought of, like, at least two ways they could have ended this without killing him. Um, like, easy ways. Really easy ways. But at the same time, it's bold. It's daring. And it's this isn't what I thought we were going to come out of this movie is bold and daring. I thought it was going to be the woke bond and we were going to have like this, that and everything else. And that was, but, but like they went a completely, like I, I didn't pick up on this at all. Even in the oh. final seconds when he was about to die, I'm like, no, no, this, no, 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 You'll no, get no. out of it. <laughs> and even the manner in which they show him dying, which there's no question. Like if they had a cut away without seeing him literally getting blown up in the fire, I would have, oh no, he's all right. Like, you know, like I think I said in my reaction one, Superman, Batman v Superman, when Superman dies. I've never read a comic book in my life, but I had heard of the Superman is dead storyline and how he comes back. And the way that ends, you see, like, the little gravel fall off the coffer. Spoiler alert if you haven't seen Batman v Superman, by the way. But, um, like, you know that Superman's not really dead. And I think, to me, Bond is that character who's invincible. You can't kill James Bond. Bond is the immortal character in any franchise. And I'm kind of with you, Colin, when you said, like, one of these days they were going to have that film where they kill him off. And... They've done it, and I'm, like, I'm still reacting. I'm, like, I'm not okay with it, but I'm also okay with it. Like, I think in my reaction episode, I'm, like, I'm not okay with this, but now I'm, like, like I can I can accept it more, if that makes sense. Roger Moore. I can accept it Roger Moore. So, you know. We've now lost three James Bonds in the space of, like, three years. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, did we kill Daniel did Craig? You, did you do this, Ben? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, one thing I wanted to say really quickly one thing that made me extra sad that Roger Moore is dead, 
I wanted to see Roger Moore's reactions to this movie. This oh, is the first James Bond movie. We're not going to get Roger Moore going. Oh, I think that was quite daring that they killed him off. But I agree. Like he I wanted to it. hear that. Oh. No tribute to Sean or Roger either, but given how this film ends, I can kind of see why not. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Inappropriate. <laughs> Roger Moore. <laughs> what about me? Uh, I could take that missile. Uh, yeah, I would have survived it. <laughs> I wouldn't die. Uh, what a question. Uh, <laughs> no. Fucking Craig, what a wimp! Uh, a man with Chester could have taken that hit. Out of the way, missile man talk. <laughs> uh, that's what I said. The first thing I said to you when you said, "Wow, I saw it," and like this never happened to the other fellow. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, so much laser me in this episode. This is like the most laser me yeah, reference laser-bee. movie ever. Uh, uh, just to, there's so much, but just to respond to a few of the things you said, because uh, it's just so much uh, to get into. Uh, but uh, yeah, as I said, and Colin reiterated, like in 50 years time. Uh, so I'll go through the reasons why I'm okay with it, because I, I can see why people are not okay with it. But there are parts, there, there are many reasons why I am okay with it. And one of them, as we kind of said, in 50 years, this is the one, uh, I mean, me and Ben won't have kids, but Colin will be telling his eight children, oh, this was the one, that I remember the one where James Bond died. That's what this is going to be. Yeah. So, yes, it's very fresh wounds right now, uh, but that was important. James Bond will return. Not 007 will return. Not Nomi will return. Not Mathilde Bond will return. <laughs> James Bond will return. So it's just another Bond film. The, the amount of people who somehow think it's now impossible that there can be a Bond 26, I don't understand. And that's a conversation for another time because I truly believe maybe Marvel has destroyed cinema fans. And I'll get into that maybe in a different episode. But the amount of people who don't understand that there can just be another James Bond film is beyond me. Yeah. Uh, the reaction to this has baffled me. Uh, but... That's one of the reasons I'm okay with it because it's just another one where Bond dies. And by the way, I, I really feel like Daniel Craig had a lot to do with this. Uh, oh, maybe 100%. that's it. Um, <laughs> I, I just coming back, we'll, fucking kill me. <laughs> I, I disagree, but we'll get into that. Okay. Uh, another reason I'm okay with it is because it was damn good. Yeah. If mm-hmm. he died and it that's was terrible, point. then I'm not okay with James Bond dying. And it's funny because. Ben, you're completely right. We didn't see this coming. We predicted all these different things. And I listened to our react uh, preview episode, and you asked me, will James Bond die? Oh, don't be silly. We uh, all did. Yeah. Bond dying. Like, yeah, we talked about Madeline dying. Oh, maybe. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, is he Dr. No? Blah, blah. He's not. No. First, when Felix died, he's not Dr. No. Uh, I'm zero when, from two. I said he wasn't Blofeld and he was, and then I said he was Dr. No and he isn't. Yay! But when Felix died, I was thinking, oh, shit, none of us even thought. No one no one ever talked about the idea of Felix dying. But then James Bond dying, we, we briefly mentioned it, but we're, oh, no, that would never happen. Uh, so that's why it was such a great moment to be there and to be not spoiled. I was so glad I could see it early before I could even have the chance to be spoiled on it. Um, But yeah, the fact that it was 
it's done so well. That's what makes me okay with it because it was done so well. I cried three times. Oh, me too. Uh, <laughs> I stood outside the cinema like Colin was saying, Jamie, don't talk to me. I, I, I said, I say this in my reaction episode. It was dark. It was pouring down with rain. They were playing like this weird classical music. And I stood outside of the cinema. And for some reason, suddenly there was just no one around. And I stood there for about five minutes in the rain, just like, what did I just see? I don't think I've ever had a cinema experience like that because we were not around for no, I'm your father. Well, maybe Colin was, but. Um, <laughs> Minus one, I think Colin was, but okay. <laughs> uh, so the fact that it was done so well uh, adds to it. It was so emotional. Hans Zimmer was amazing. Uh, and then the other thing is people have problems because they don't think it's very. Uh, kind of what's the word, sort of sophisticated or romantic for a Bond death. But to me, this is a Craig Bond death. Yeah. Like, yeah, maybe you don't want to see Lazenby go out this way. Uh, <laughs> but this felt very Craigy, and, and that's going to be an iconic shot. Now that I've got mm-hmm. the video on demand, I've watched him standing there with doo-doo, uh, <laughs> uh, doo-doo has returned. Uh, we, we predicted doo-doo. Leave it alone, Ben. Uh, you know, the shot I'm talking about, him sort of standing there looking yeah. out and he's got doo-doo there. Uh, and just the way the missiles come down and it's almost too fast, but that's what I kind of love about it. It's yeah. – it's, and. I've rewatched the bit about six times now, three in my watch and then three just watching. I still do this as it, I can't watch it properly. Just as it's like, you can't believe what's happening. And there's no going back from that. You think he's going to, oh, James Bond's going to escape. There's no going back. And it's so James quick. He's going to die. He's going to die. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and he does. But uh, so I, I do see where people have issues with the, but that's kind of my defense where I came out of it. If you told me an hour before I went into the cinema, I'm yelling at you and I'm ripping up my ticket. You asked mm-hmm. me an hour after the cinema. I was okay with it. I just, I just felt okay with it. I didn't feel cheated. I didn't feel robbed. I just felt okay. Yes. Oh. Yes. Colin, I you thought you were next. But... <laughs> we have an order to this. Um, well, you just uh, repeated exactly what my thoughts were after I saw those two. Seconds before it happened, I'm like, no, no, don't do this. Don't do this. This is going to ruin it all. And then it happens, and then you're like, what just happened? And then every second that passes, you're like, well, that wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. It's like ripping off a Band-Aid, you know? Like, oh, no, 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 no. Oh, okay, I'm all right. Uh, it's like when but, you lost uh, your virginity. There you go. you're saying that as if I have Uh, (laughs) immaculate conception for for (laughs) the kids but just uh touching on uh, a couple things one whether or not I think Daniel Craig had a I'm sure Daniel Craig has said listen if I'm coming back this is the only time I'm doing it but I I think we've all learned enough about Daniel Craig to know that he's he's not going to do anything unless he really wants to do it anyways I mean he's slitting his wrists even with Casino Royale, he's just saying, no, 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 no. And they talk him into it. He's also too old to do this anyways. Uh, but I think the main thing is look at movies over the last 20 years. And it's not even a Bond thing. Hollywood in general has just become afraid of replacing an actor. And I think this is what's unfortunate because I would love for James Bond to have just continued where we get 
the next guy coming in and we pretend like nothing's happened. Uh, but Spider-Man, you know, the Tobey Maguire finishes, they basically take the same script that they'd been working on for a fourth Tobey Maguire movie. And they say, all right, let's rewrite this and make him a teenager. And then let's cast a guy who looks older than Tobey Maguire. No reason to actually reboot Spider-Man at that point. You could have just had Andrew Garfield come in as the same character. Hollywood was afraid to do that. Uh, you look at all the other... I'm trying to think about any time where they actually just recast an actor and didn't reboot. And it only comes down to minor characters like Terrence Howard being replaced by Don Cheadle. Uh, you don't have just let's continue a series, let's recast a role anymore. And it's probably more to do with the next actor coming in saying, let's have a clean slate. Because uh, I think we also talked on the preview episode that one of the unfortunate things is even getting the actors we've had in this movie, like uh, Naomi Harris. She said in the, the No Time to Die podcast, like, oh, they, they approached me to do this. We want you to be Money Penny, but it's going to be a different Money Penny. We're going to put her in the field and we're going to do this. We're going to, I just feel like you can't get an actor into a movie anymore without saying, Hey, you can make this your own. And they're probably more than anything, just afraid of who are we going to get for the next one? And are we going to be able to just have a clean slate? So let's kill them off. I can't think of any. And, and also as far as the death goes, why would this bother people more than other deaths? Cause I, I think what well, the first thing I said to, you know, when we stopped recording is, why is it that people are upset about this, but yet you kill Iron Man at the end of what? Avengers? Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, not Iron. No, I've lost Bond and Iron Man in the same day. <laughs> but but like Iron Man dies, nobody cares. Oh, okay. Well, that was an effective death. Uh, Batman, it, the Dark Knight Rises. Sorry, spoiler for people. Well, is it, we, no, we, we still Batman. don't know. <laughs> We still don't know because that's where the end. Solo it, dies. Oh. Well, it's it's basically the same ending as No Time to Die. Batman's like, I'm gonna sacrifice myself, and you're like, they just killed Batman, and then they throw some scene. They, they still throw some scene right at the end where you're like, wait, is he alive still? Like, this has been done, and I'm trying to think of any other character. It's really just the longevity of the character where people think you can't kill him. But like, if you were to take Sherlock Holmes, another character that's been around for decades and decades has been recast over and over again, but they've never killed him on screen. If you had a Sherlock Holmes movie where they just killed Sherlock Holmes and then you had Sherlock Holmes return at the end, nobody's up in arms about it. So why is James Bond so different where if you know you're going into another movie and you know you're going to be having a clean slate, you're going to be rebooting, you can't say, let's give this the most effective send-off we can. But I... Uh, uh, you go. No, no, please, no. Right. Order, no, order. <laughs> <laughs> no, if no, you have something to say in rebuttal, I, I will let you say. Uh, no, but I, I mean, uh, yeah, part of it, Hollywood, yeah, but also the audience. The, audi the audience of today is different to the audience of even 20 years ago because people cannot understand this. Uh, there have been people talking about, well, the only way that they can ever continue is that they show a scene where he escaped the missiles, which is ridiculous. Uh, people have been saying, well, now they have to do an origin story again. People are saying they can't bring back Ray Fiennes. People have started bringing back the, the code name thing again. People are saying, well, they can't continue uh, with the Bond character. It now has to be Nomi or a new spy as 007. So it, it, it's not even just Hollywood. It's also the audience where I, I guess it's something to do with Television nowadays is almost all some sort of uh, what's the word serialized continuity, which it wasn't in the 90s and early 2000s. So television is like that. 
but also these sort of Marvel films and everything where it's all about the, the continuity now and the c continuation of things. It's like, this is James Bond. Everyone knows James Bond. The actor changes, the cast changes. He comes back next film and it's James Bond. The, and people are saying, well, you can't bring back Ray Fiennes because the audience isn't going to understand and they're going to be saying, where's Madeline and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, have we not had 60 years of these films? So, Judy I mean, Dench. I, yeah, Judy Dent. And I've seen people then rebuttal and say, but she was playing a different character. Well, mate, Ray Fiennes <laughs> played a different character then. Like, well, don't, well, don't also forget know. everyone's second favourite M, uh, Gordon Brown. He was also with... Uh, Robert Brown? Robert Brown. I don't remember his name. He's a painting him in this movie. But, like, I mean, he was with two different Bonds. So, you know. I don't know if that's uh, even an answer, but I agree that something has has ticked over uh, and I don't know if that's then played into the ending of this film, but something has changed and it's annoying. I, I think it is literally because fans are more entitled nowadays. He says hosting a <laughs> podcast on James Bond. Um, it's, it's, well, it, it, it literally comes down to what we saw with releases. Yeah, please do. We, we've got some great stuff there, but like you think about release the Snyder cut. I mean, you're not yeah. going to get that 20 years ago. You know, it's it's because people think they've got more of a voice now and studios are too scared. Like, you know, think about The Rise of Skywalker and the fan crap that they did with that to try and retcon what crap happened before that. Like, it's just studios are too scared to do things because fans have got more of a voice now and it just, it, it's lazy. It's it just, it's bad. And this is where, like, I will applaud this film for doing something this bold in an era where you shouldn't. I, I definitely am one of these people who feels James Bond is invincible. 100% I am one of those people. But, like, having said that, again, the more time passes, the more I think about it, even talking to you guys for 30 minutes right now at the beginning of this episode, I'm becoming more and more okay with it. And, again, if you had have spoiled to me, if you had have said to me, Ben, I can't hold this in anymore, an hour before, James Bond dies, I would be like, no. I want like, no. to and I think, Colin, the way you were explaining that, like even when it was about to happen, I'm like, no, 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 no. And then one of my two theories, like I've got my two theories, I'll just say this out because I would do a whole episode of it, but like the way I see this carrying on, like my, my main one was they're going to prove that James Bond is a code name, but what they're going to do, they're going to be there like at a funeral or something like that and they're going to like formally announce we are retiring 007 and we are renaming it James Bond. That's what I thought yeah. they were going to say at the end of the movie or <laughs> that could be at the beginning. Like that was literally how I thought, okay, well then James Bond will return, right? My other one is basically the Craig era is just its own separate beast and Bond 26 basically picks up after Die Another Day and you've just got sort of five films in the middle which were sort of a separate entity you know, James Bond will return essentially as normal Bond after Die Another Day, you know what I mean? And it's just, we're back to the single standalone films. Anyway, let's get out of the way. Noah, you mentioned about crying. I want to say this now. Like, the, the first time I watched it when Bond died, literally there was a grown man crying to the point where he was wailing. Like, I'm not even joking. There was literally, he was like, he was like, I thought like he was joking. Like I legitimately thought like, is this guy like taking the piss? And I looked over and his friend was like comforting him. And he was like full on like, like, like his parent had died. I was like, oh, like, and like everyone literally in the cinema, like, cause you know how it fades to white and it's kind of quiet. It was just like a pin dropping. 
And mm-hmm. this, the second time I watched it, I cried in that bit. The, the bit that set me off is right at the fucking beginning of the movie where they're driving along the thing and when um, no, um, Madeline's like, oh, can you go faster? No, we don't need to go fast. We've got all the time in the world. And then you start here. I was like, I, I was gone. I yeah. was gone. I was like, oh, my God. Like, what are they doing to me? Um, and on a tangent, like, without spoiling, I well, me not being spoiled, and you two know this, but I bought the soundtrack and I'm like, oh, do I listen to it? And you two are like, oh, no, probably not. And I'm even, like, joking with some of the tracks and you two are like, oh, don't say anything. <laughs> but, like, I am so glad I didn't listen to the soundtrack because I would have heard that. There's, like, track two on the soundtrack, hearing the, like, the old time in the world. And, like, oh, it was emotional. Oh. And was it, no, I think you said something about, like, some of the complaints about it being, like, not on an emotional level for his death or things like that. Like, oh. I've seen some people complaining that it's, Oh, it's too emotional over action. The action in this movie is just beyond amazing. The soundtrack is great. And the emotion is on a level on a James Bond film I want. Like, it's mm-hmm. it's it's not too sappy, but it's not too, like, weak. It's believable for a Bond film. And I even saw somebody saying that, oh, this film um, isn't bonded. Like, this is, I'm a, I'm a massive defender of Spectre saying that's the most Bondian Craig. This is easily the most Bondian Craig movie by far. And, like, they incorporated serious emotional Craig with over-the-top batshit crazy die-another-day Bond. Like, it ticks all the boxes there. I'm talking myself into loving this movie more and more now that I think about it. <laughs> yeah, I, you're, you're, you're in love with this. I mean, it's working on me, uh, but... Yeah, I mean, you mentioned that scene in the car with the at the beginning, but at the time I had to wear a mask in the cinema. But under my mask, I was just smiling at so many because it had been six years. It's been a really tough two years for everyone around the world, and we had just waited and waited. And then sitting in the cinema, and then that's so early on in the movie, you get all the time in the world and you get this great shot. I was, there were so many times I was just smiling and I've not had a cinema experience like this in, since Spectre. Like, and even that wasn't the cinema experience I had with this film. It, it has to be up there as one of those kind of films you'll remember seeing in the cinema, especially after the, all the COVID stuff and everything. I was just smiling, like literally smiling during this film. Uh, on that on that note about the all, all the time in the world and the soundtrack and the, some of the complaints I've seen about this film, and I'm interested to hear your, both of your opinions because I don't fully know how I feel about it, but a lot of the, some of the complaints have been that maybe the Majesty's connections were not earned and that it was too much sort of fan service. Uh, so I, I'm wondering, was this a positive for the film overall? Uh, once we get over the immediate, like, oh, my God, all the time in the world, and the end credits, Louis, oh, oh. my God. Uh, I sat through that whole thing, not just for the bomb will return, but also just to listen to that. I did it twice. But- I did The second time I didn't leave until that song finished. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so so was this sort of connection to Honor Majesty's Secret Service earned for a Craig film, do you guys think? I think so, because if they are doing anything with this Craig series, it was, you know, let's pay homage to the past. We're going to start with Casino Royale. We're going to end. And I've always said this with the books. Uh, Really, You Only Live Twice would be the end. But 
the Bond character begins with Casino Royale, and that explains why he is the way he is all the way up until Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Then you have Honor Majesty's Secret Service, and you have You Only Live Twice, and that's sort of the bookend of the character. Uh, they simply just cut out a lot of the stuff in the middle and, and did their own original thing. But this is, if you wanted to tell the story of the character of James Bond, you had to go Casino Royale to You Only Live Twice. And this movie, it it, it definitely uses a lot of Honor Majesty's Secret Service. They, they flip the roles with Bond instead of Tracy at the end here. But also the amount of things they included in this from You Only Live Twice, the book, including the, the child, like that is straight out of the books. Why? I, he I actually feel has a child like, in the books? Yeah, I mean, he never meets the child. That's kind of the tragic yeah. ending. But uh, but yeah, this is to with me as soon as <laughs> with Kissy. <laughs> uh, oh, but, okay. Uh, but but this is the story, and I, when so many people have criticized James Bond over the years, like we're talking pre-Casino Royale coming out with, like, oh, it's all these movies are the same. Oh, he's just this wisecracking, chauvinistic, alcoholic pig. And I'm like, yeah, but you don't understand. There's a reason for that. It's all in the books. And that story, they, they just boiled it down to Casino Royale to Honor Majesty Secret Service slash You Only Live Twice. Forget Man with the Golden Gun. We don't need it. Uh, and, and they said, we're going to do this over five movies very subtly. I don't really see fan service at all. I see that if you were going to tell a beginning to end story, which is another reason why I'm kind of okay with let's end it after the crate. Let's let the Craig era be its own thing is because for the first time ever, they were able to tell Ian Fleming's story arc of not the stories, but the character from beginning to end. I um I'm looking forward yeah. to talking about daddy bond because I, I'm not okay with daddy bond. I, I've never read the book. So I mean, maybe it's different <laughs> for you too, but like, and like when we talk about, like, if we're talking about the cast, that little girl, like Jesus Christ. Oh, we liked her. Didn't we know? Oh, no. No. <laughs> I'd rather doo-doo. Pain in the ass. Uh, <laughs> I know there's going to be one character we're going to, maybe two that we're going to disagree on. Um, I don't know if you, like, yeah, like, it's interesting to think, like, does it earn Majesty's status? Because, like, Spectre was really heavily promoted as almost very Majesty's because we remember the trailer with the dun dun, like the, the, the theme, which we mm-hmm. finally got the dun dun dun. That's a what are you doing it was the hope line so many double off um but like i mean that's the thing like yeah the majesties was the strongest connection like that moment i loved the ending with and i'm just pointing this out right now we have all the time in the world is the most cursed sentence ever bond says it tracy dies bond says it bond dies i say it at my wedding we know what happens so (laughs) never use that phrase That's like saying Beetlejuice, right? Like, just don't do it. Um, but, yeah, like, I loved it. I thought it was great. And, like, it's just one of those literal, like, yeah, it's fan service, but it's not It's not Rise of Skywalker fan service. It's not, oh, Chewie, here's your medal. Oh, fuck off. Like, it's... it's Did that service the fans? Well, <laughs> serviced my stomach. But, it, but like, it, like, you know I shared a video of all the connections and... It's like, yeah, that kind of pinpoint. Some, some were stretching it, but there were so many in this movie that we all, I'm sure, picked up the dots at the beginning. I'm sure Noah was like mm-hmm. jizzing his pants with the dots. The whole time, I'm like, I see it when he goes to his locker and that Aston Martin. I'm like, that's that's the Living Daylights Aston Martin. Is it like the whole time? It's apparently it's the same number plate and everything. Like it's like references yeah. to that. There was obviously one die another day one, which I'm kind of like, is that the duck? There's two. 
Oh, yeah, I, I was wondering if you, well, I was going to say, I was wondering if you, well, because the other one was, it's just a number. But I'm like, oh, did, I didn't is Ben going to pick up on the delectado? <laughs> the, 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 the three moments, because you two both said like, oh, there's one moment that Ben will have. I don't know. But like, there was three that I, there was the, del- the, the cigar. It was the, when he goes to Cuba and when he's walking the streets, you kind of get a <laughs> And the other one was when, um, I think it's when they're leaving the cell with Blofeld, Bond turns to Tanner and he goes, Tanner! <laughs> 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 like, oh, there it is. Um, he was Tanner in this film. I, I just love the references. Like, they were just done, like, we made. I think we mentioned Inspector, didn't we, that there was a bunch that they kind of did, but, like, I, I love Die Another Day. I love the references, but I, I just like the subtlety that kind of it's just it's even like that video pointing out some of the shots, like the that shot with those great white poles in like the the great lair at the end, which was kind of a homage to the spy who loved me, and even like the and I didn't pick up on it the first time. It was the second viewing after watching that video when they're they're stealing the the vile stuff. Uh, and they're wearing the Dr. No hazmat suits. Like I didn't pick up on that at first. Like things like that. Um like but no, the Majesty stuff, like, I love that. I, I thought it was great. And the sound, can we just say with the soundtrack too, it's not just Majesties. They also use Vespa's theme at one point. There's a track which, um, if you listen carefully, it's got You Know My Name in it. Um, there was another one that they used. Um, but, like, and I'm, I'm jumping ahead here. I don't know if you're going to talk about the song, but, like, the, the, the use of the No Time Did I score, like, the, the, the instrumental was great. I actually so on board with the song being used perfectly. Like, you listen to the lyrics after you watch that opening sequence, it fits so fucking well. Like, fucked up with Spectre, with writings on the wall not making any sense with the movie. This song is perfect now for that, particularly the opening bit. Anyway, I'm jumping ahead. I'm all over the place, but yes. Yeah, I mean, I agree on all the references. Uh, I, I thought it was subtle enough, I might die another day, where it wasn't really fan service. It was sort of it really kind of felt, nice to kind of pick up on these easter eggs and uh but this is where i i don't get fans these days i'm talking about the continuity people are talking about robert brown which is a hilarious that they have robert brown <laughs> i double took i literally am seeing him going, that's that's robert but no that's got to be bernard yeah. lee like that there's no way that's robert brown over bernard lee like oh my god <laughs> But, but people are uh, people are talking. I've seen comments like, "Well, how does that make any sense? Because this is a different timeline to the Robert Brown." Like, oh my God, just stop! Um, but yeah, Judy I, Dench I, people <laughs> again. Dench. And let's be honest, Judy Dench appears in it again. Let her go, okay. people. She died. Okay. Uh, well, Judy Dench didn't die, but now. Well, she um, is now. Oh Ben, Judy, we've got all the time in the world. Oh shit. <laughs> Does that mean she's either dead or you're going to marry her? Well, either way, <laughs> it's going to end in pain. <laughs> I would. I'd marry um, Judy Dent. That'd be a great marriage. Who wouldn't? So, yeah, I, I was not only okay with it, I loved all the Majesty's references and it worked uh, so well, especially with the double kind of Bond girl. Uh, but I want to go in... Uh, this will be an interesting conversation because I feel like we talked about our ideas on the film, but I still don't fully know what you guys think about everything. Uh, uh, but I want to go then and move into Safin and uh, I want to kick things off with Safin because I've had a bit of a sort of, uh, he's firstly, he's not Dr. No. Uh, oh, and- spoiler. <laughs> 
uh, MGM and Eon really got us by chucking in those uh, balls at the free title. Because the moment I saw that, I'm like, oh well, they've just spoiled it for the diehard fans. They know the uh, they know that it's going to be. It was missing a boom, but a boom, but a boom, but a boom. And they were in Jamaica. Uh, even I told Colin off air after our other one, even to the very end, I'm like looking, I'm thinking, oh, it's almost over. But, you know, something like gets his hands broken at the end. Yeah. And then <laughs> after that point, I'm like, that's how he gets the claws. <laughs> I was just waiting for him to say at the very end before he died, like, call me no, Dr. No. Um, but he wasn't Dr. No, uh, which I was fine with. Uh, but almost so much hype about that that I'm almost like, oh, uh, but I want to say about Sappen, and I am liking this film. I've had six weeks to sit on it, and it's real fresh for Ben. I'm going to say I think Sappen might be a bottom five uh, villain, and I'm going to say he's the weakest part of this entire film. Uh, and having now got to see it three times and got to really sit on it, uh, and I was thinking, I was trying to think last night, why do I think that? And uh, it, it had a bit of a last Jedi factor. Me and Ben often talk about how we walked out, we sat in the car, we looked at each other, and neither of us wanted to admit, neither of us wanted to admit that maybe we didn't like a Star Wars film. So we kind of tricked ourselves. And I think for the first few weeks, I sort of tricked myself uh, about, like, because the Craig villains are so good, except for one. Uh, so. Who? Yeah, I'm not huge on the Craig films, but Lashif, amazing. Silver, amazing. Christoph Waltz, amazing. So we go into this thing, film thinking, well, the one thing that is going to be amazing is the villain. It seems a bit cosplay to me. It feels like <laughs> Rami Malek playing. Uh, oh, don't you say this. You're going to set Colin off again. But he interrupted me. He was just doing an impersonation. <laughs> Here's the thing is, like, I'm okay with sort of plot inconsistencies and we'll get into the plot because this doesn't have the strongest of all the plots, but I don't really actually mind about that. But Stefan, he's, he just doesn't really make any sense. Uh, and you're comparing, like, Lashif and Silver, that this guy kind of comes in, puts on a goofy accent, uh, talks about, oh, I want to control people's lives for some reason. He doesn't really have any chemistry with Bond the way that Silver and Lashif uh, and Christoph Waltz do. Like, Christoph Waltz and Bond in this film, I'm not a huge fan of that scene, but they have better chemistry in one little moment. Uh, stuff with the daughter and then just letting her go and – just he's got this lair, but we don't really know. And then he wiped out Spectre, but then that's not even like a, that's just a like, oh, yeah, I did that. And uh, I, I feel like this is one thing that Ben will disagree with. Um, but the more I go first, to sit this, when, when, go when, first? We, when we rank the film, the Redux, I can't see him being much higher than bottom five, maybe bottom three but that's probably a bit too harsh just because he's rami malik just because of the craig film i don't think it should get a pass can we rank doo-doo when we do it like, <laughs> please maybe an hour, uh, best hour, hour. Yeah. um just quickly uh one thing thank you we didn't have played that in a few episodes just because these two have been hosting things um that better not be look, from bohemian rhapsody I, I, there are two characters. Actually, there's one that I'm, 
I'm very intrigued to hear your thoughts on. This is the one that I'm like, there's going to be disagreements on this. Because I'll start off by saying that the the plot, and again, I know I'm jumping ahead, but I'm still trying to work out why he's doing what he's doing. I'm like, what, why is, like, like, literally, like, the scenes, I'm going, okay, this is why he's going to explain why he's, like, going to commit genocide. I'm like, okay, yep, I'm like, like, did he explain it? Like, I don't feel he explained why he's wiping out the world's population. Like, I just, I don't understand that. Um, I think, like, there's a lot of plot hole things in this movie that we will no doubt rip into in the recap. And even, like, the inconsistent, like, is he meant to be a pedophile? Because he's kind of, like, falling in love with Madeline as a kid and then then he's, like, there and then, like, with the, the other shitty daughter and then, like, I just, it's, there's some weirdness around it which I don't understand. So I think in terms of plot, like, this is a weird thing to admit, but I'm going to say it. Dominic Green might have had a better plot in terms of what he was trying to do because you at least understood what he was trying to do, right? Like, you add, if you make this just Saffin's revenge against Madeline Swan and Mr. White, fine. But when you're adding this plot of, I want to wipe out the world and keep it tight, that line made no sense. Like, the trailer line of, I just want to be tidy. Like, okay, why? <laughs> like, I didn't understand that. So that's my gripes. But... I, like, maybe I just have something for Rami Malek in cosplay. He's just engaging. Like, he's creepy. He's, like, he's maybe the creepiest villain in the history of Bond. He's just, he's weird. That that line when Madeline's going up to her office and that woman's like, oh, he's a bit weird. And she's like, don't say that. Like, she's right. He's weird. And, like, that's what I really liked about him because he's just, like, he's got this, every time he's talking, I'm like, who is this guy? Like, I'm like, oh, like, wh- like, why? I don't understand why you're doing it, but you're just creepy and weird. And, like, I kind of like the bit when he just lets the girl go because you're not expecting it. It's like, he's, like, not going to let her go. Like, he needs it for a bargaining chip. And he's just like, bye. I'm like, oh, okay. Sure, doesn't make sense, but okay. Um, And, like, the chemistry thing, like, I get, but I kind of feel he's not meant to have chemistry because he's such a, like, a weirdo that it's like he's one of those people where no one would have chemistry with this guy because he's so fucking weird. He's that kid who sits in the back of class and eats paper and, oh, I'm not going to hang out with Safford and he's weird. Like, go in the corner. And that's what I like about him. Or are you talking about yourself right now? (laughs) Me. Like, that's why, like, I literally, I saw this movie six weeks ago, but you two just had to work out the courage to talk to me. So I I, I knew you, I just had a real feeling you two were not going to like him. I don't know if right now I'm like, I would rank him ahead of green. Um, But... Yeah, I don't know in terms of the others. I like I just liked him. I just there's something about him I like him, but I can also understand why people I've seen a lot of like in the reviews I've read how they're saying his plot line and everything's weak. There, there's a there was another random villain. I love the the Boris 2.0 racist Russian guy. He was great. But um I don't know. I just liked him. I liked him, but his plot was weak. So, I mean, I've had three viewings uh over several weeks to kind of sit on this. <laughs> My initial reaction that I had with Jamie was we both said, wow, what a disappointing villain. Um, The one that I recorded with Noah, I'm like, yeah, that was really weaker than I thought it would be. Um, I'm not a Rami Malek hater. I'm a Bohemian Rhapsody hater. uh, Do you like Bohemian Rhapsody, Noah? I haven't seen it. Don't. Please don't. (laughs) Do. It's a good movie. Don't listen to Colin. uh, <laughs> but but uh i had just watched without even realizing it without connecting the dots as i was waiting to go see specter i was looking for something to watch and i put on the movie the little things with denzel and rami malik which is not a good movie but i was watching the movie going like 
man, Rami Malek is good. Like, and I, I think I'd only seen him in one or two other things, but like, I'm really excited to see him as a villain. And I'm not even gonna say I got my hopes up that he would be great, but I saw what he could do being that weirdo, but not even playing a villain in the little things and, and really got excited. And oh, I watched the movie. I'm like, there's just none of that there. It's just nothing. The whole performance, the character is nothing. <laughs> Every time I've seen this movie since, I'm like, okay, this is going to improve. And I, I sort of been reading a lot of reactions. And the weirdest thing is, is that the world's definitely come around uh, or turned around on its opinion of uh, his performance and Bohemian Raps of the movie. And that when it came out, people were like, wow, this is great. And now almost any time you see a list of bottom best picture nominees, bottom best picture winners, he's at the list of the bottom best picture winners. But it's, again, not like people hate him. Every reaction I've seen of people who have come out of this movie has been, wow, I really expected more out of him. Um, and I've been trying to put my finger on it for all three viewings. And I, I nailed a couple things down last night when I saw this. One uh, is exactly what you said, Noah. There is no chemistry with anybody in this movie. And I don't think that's a character thing because we've had weirdos before. What it is, is it, it's, it's partly in his performance itself and it's partly in the way he's directed. I don't feel like there's any dialogue scenes. His entire role in this movie is just long dialogue scenes with people. It's exactly the type of scenes where we had with Blofeld and we had with Silva and we had with Lashif that made those villains Not great. Funny. Not green, <laughs> but uh, but I'll agree with you. Green's plot made more sense. But uh, every scene that I watch him in, whether he's with Madeline or with he, if he's with Bond, it feels like he was dropped in and was never on set with the actors. Like they filmed this with, I don't know, Willem Dafoe or something. And then they're like, oh, oh. Willem Dafoe said something stupid. So we need Christ to cancel him. Kevin Spacey, let's say Kevin Spacey filmed this oh. role. We need to cancel him. Let's film Ram Malik against the blue screen and drop him in. It doesn't even feel like he's there present with the actors. And I don't think that's a thing uh, that, that's meant for the character. The other thing which I really think became a problem with this movie, uh, well, the first thing my initial reaction was, you should not have had two villains. And Nick said the same thing to me. It's like, either do Blofeld or do Safton. Do do. You don't do do. You do one or you do the other. You never do do. Uh, but that's that's, it's completely true that Blofeld steals from Safin and Safin steals from Blofeld. And we didn't really get anything great out of the other. But here's my biggest problem with this movie they should have done this the style of Dr. No or Blofeld. You allude to the character and you only reveal him at the end. The whole mask thing in the opening sequence. That really whets your appetite. It, it just gets you excited. But then after that, it's the scene with Madeline that spoils it. We didn't need that. And if we were going to have that scene where he's in her office, it should have been you never see his face the way you never see Blofeld. Keep the mystery of him alive. And then write the movie around that. Write it where people keep talking about this guy, but you never see him. So that when you get that reveal with the weird you know, skin that he has, and the Bond scene, that scene has some impact and you instantly have this excitement of, oh, we're finally getting this guy. Still, the performance would have had to have been different. But seeing him multiple times throughout the movie, it sort of spoils it. So you just become numb to him by the time you have that big reveal. And then when you do have the big reveal, nothing makes sense about his character. So every time I've seen this movie, I keep going in expecting I would turn around on him and my opinion is just worsening. Yeah, and I... I, I... 
I have a way that I think the plot could go better, but maybe I'll save that for the recap. I've thought of ways to fix his sort of plot. Uh, but I, yeah, I agree. It's not just the plot, it's the performance too. And uh, after Silver and Blofeld and the Sheep, it is a disappointment. Um, but also, is, is this guy drinking the same uh, or smoking the same stuff that Baron Samadhi's smoking? Because this guy's immortal. Uh, uh, yes. <laughs> we don't know. Is he supposed to be like 50, 60 years old? Well, uh, Rami Malik doesn't <laughs> age, though. If you actually look at Rami Malik, yeah. like back in his early stuff, he doesn't um, age. But yeah, uh, I mean, I, I completely agree. And this is sort of jumping just a bit, but like, I was I almost thinking, like, and maybe this is more for our recap episode, but just almost stick with the pre title about like Madeline potentially being ba- bad. And I, I was kind of hoping, like, have some sort of plot twist where Safin is actually the henchman. Like, maybe Rami Malik works as a henchman. And if they somehow had this plot, this plot twist where Madeline was some sort of villain all along and that Safin has been helping her off the side and then they sort of joined together at the end and he's sort of like a Renard almost. Like, I think that kind of uh, could be something. Uh, but can, can I just quickly ask really quickly, this has now got to be the officially the longest pre-title, right? That went for about 22 minutes oh, and I think World yeah, Enough goes for about 19. Minutes, I think it must outdo the world is not enough. Um, yeah, cause, yeah, like and like... Yeah, I, I again probably more of a recap thing, and I'm jumping ahead. Sorry to interrupt, but it was like, I on the second viewing, I was kind of thinking like, end it when Madeline comes out of the water or something like that, because like I was expecting like it was weird that they kind of included everything in that whole section. But anyway, that's another end, end it there or cut the the flashback out. Uh, to me, mm. the flashback was good the first time, eh, second, third time, eh. um, but. I, I guess uh, you know, Bond dying, Safin. Another thing, <laughs> uh, I feel like our recap is going to be so long because we almost have I to said like, in my reaction, I said oh, our recap is going to go for like five hours. <laughs> so much to talk about. Um, but I guess another big talking point, uh, like leading up to, oh, uh, before we, uh, I, I know what I want to move on to, but while, while we're on Safin, let's stick with some sort of grouping here. Ben, Disappointed he wasn't Dr. No, surprised, blah, 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 just quickly. Um, I think I came to terms with it when, because, like, I literally, during all the seat, like, I, I, one thing I want to add on Savage quickly, I love I loved the island. I love the lair. I love the garden. Like, I, I, don't, I haven't read the books, but I like this whole garden thing. I maybe explore it a little bit. I thought we were going to have more of an army yeah. at the end, but whatever. I like that. Um, sort of through those scenes when the dialogue bits and when he's got the little girl and all that kind of stuff, I'm literally going, okay, we're going to get like a, cause I think at some point somebody said something about doctor or something in the barrel. I'm like, here we go. Here we go. And he's going to be like, Oh no, call me doctor. No. But then I got to a point where I'm like, okay, no, it's not going to be that. If they do, it's going to be so cheap and dumb. So but I then I, I actually, I was okay with it because I think one of my things I said in the preview was that, um, and I think I just was resigned to the fact he was going to be doctor. No, that my criticism then was that really silver and green are the only two original villains that we get in the Daniel Craig era. Right. So I'm glad that we have just like a new original villain. So I'm, I'm actually completely fine with it. I, I, I think that makes me the only one who predicted he wasn't Dr. No, um, but, 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 but I think, did I predict that uh, Christoph Waltz would be Blofeld or not? Cause I think I also predicted that Christoph Waltz would not be Blofeld. Um, I would have to check the tape, but I feel you are correct. I know you said no to Dr. No, um, but I can't remember the Blofeld one. Say no to Dr. No, kids. Uh, But like, I I really didn't want 
this to be a recycled villain. Uh, I like the way they did it, where they tease it, and you can see it's 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 exactly what the Craig movie should be. Like we mentioned with the Honor Majesty Secret Service, they're they're paying homage to something, but they are not saying we're redoing this. Hmm. The problem would come if you made him Doctor No. That's something you do if you are going to continue the Daniel Craig series, because now you're like, oh, we're back at the beginning. This is going to continue on. Making him Dr. No says this is a beginning and it doesn't say it's the end. So I think it was important that he's not Dr. No. Yeah, I'm fine with it. Um, so then I guess the thing I was going to bring up was the sort of big pre sort of worry, I guess, was, uh, and I'm so curious to hear what our good friend Ben Waterworth has to say on this, but the, the big, uh, big sort of worry was that it's the woke bond. It's the 2021 Woke Bond, Nomi, blah, 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 blah. Just going to say, I really like Nomi. The woke stuff, it's not there. And people still, after the film, are saying, oh, my God, this film was so woke. Compare this with a Marvel film. Compare this with a, a Star Wars film. Uh, yes, it, it's progressive, but it's not woke. I feel like now there's a tendency now that, oh, just because there's a black woman, that suddenly it has to be preachy or whatever but i thought nomi was a great character she's balanced she never steals the show uh she she's second fiddle to bond which any character should be not just the woman any character should be i think her chemistry with the cast was great and her with craig in the the second half was great she was in it a lot less than a lot of people were thinking and she didn't turn into oh, I'm going to constantly mention I'm a woman and that I'm better than you. Uh, she had a, a kind of back and forth rivalry with Bond, but if this was a male character, no one would even be thinking anything about that back and forth rivalry. Uh, I thought she was a great character. I really enjoyed her. I don't need to see her back. I don't need to see any of the new characters here back, but I thought it wasn't woke Bond. Uh it fit with the times. Uh, and uh, I said in our preview, uh, our non-spoiler episode with Colin, that Nomi is what Jinx tried to be at where Jinx <laughs> fell on her ass and Nomi succeeded with. Uh, so the, all that worry about this sort of James Bond's gone woke. Personally, I think she was a good character and I thought everything was respectable. We could argue whether or not she needed to be 007, but that led to a few laughs and a touching moment towards the end uh, where she kind of gives the number back after all this debate. It's just a number. It's just a number. Uh, so curious to hear what you have to say about the sort of woke bond, Ben. Uh, me? Okay. Sorry, Colin. I'm stealing your second thunder. Just, just on the woke oh, stuff. Um. One thing Colin and I talk a lot about over on the Oz Network is when we're doing sort of films that, you know, do this, is that it's when they make a make a big deal out of it. You know, that, that scene in The Force Awakens when Finn, like, looks awkwardly at Rey because she's kicking ass, like, oh, a woman, a woman. Like, it's a like... You, like Rogue One, same thing. Right, like, it's that's what makes it wrong. I mean, God, don't get started on Captain Marvel and, like, you know, <laughs> I'm just a girl scene. Like, fuck off. Like, it's just, it's it's too much. I didn't see any of that in this film. Like, there, I think one thing that I, like, I heard it the first time and I'm like, oh, and then I think I said in my reaction episode and then the second time and then I Googled it, we get a reveal that Q is gay and it's done in just such a passing reference that it's not, and I love that. I'm like, great. 
And then I was reading comments online about the first ever out gay Bond character. Yay. And then other people, oh, I'm complaining about it. Like, that's what I like about sort of these movies. And like, I know gay. neither of you. <laughs> sorry, sorry, no, what was that? Oh, it's pretty gay. There it is, right. Um, I know neither of you have seen The Eternals. Don't recommend seeing it. It's fine. But like there's a gay couple in that that are just passed off as just a gay couple. Like it's it's not like let's focus. Oh, they're gay. Like, oh, like this is new. Like it's just gay people are normal. It's a normal couple. You don't need to make a big deal out of it. So this is what I love. This It's one line that Q says. But like if that's what people are saying is like woke, bullshit. Uh, Nomi, like, I was worried, like, of the, the wokeness because there was that leak that came out that, like, the jaw-dropping moment when M says, come on in, 007, and in comes Nomi. Like, that wasn't even in the movie. Like, when he said, get me 007, they cut to Bond on the boat. Like, it's kind of, like, it's cool. And I'm with you. I like the interplay between the two of them when it's, like, 007. I love that scene in the office. Like, um, I've I've put him back as a 00. Oh, 00 what number? Like, what number? That, was, that was kind of funny. Um... And there's another character which I can't wait to talk about, which like blew my mind and like kicked ass, and not even a reference to the fact that she has boobs. Like it's just like I, I love her, right? She's oh, very good night and better. Well, anyway. I mean, talk about it now, like oh, the one thing that universally, <laughs> there's only been one thing that there's been no one debating that's been universally mm-hmm. uh, agreed upon. The people love Paloma, and I'm oh, on board. It was great. She's, yeah. oh, my beating heart. She's just amazing. She's gorgeous. She's funny. That, okay, one thing I thought, I'm like, this is Mary Goodnight, but, like, just in a short form. <laughs> she, to me, is what I would want Rosie Carver to be, but not shit. <laughs> like, like she's just well, so short and, like, there but not evil. But, like, I'm thinking, like, I'm going, like, oh, Colin's going to be like, oh, she's just the same as Rosie Carver, man. Why don't you like her? She's, like, amazing. I love her so much. Um, I've been training for three weeks. Very fun, Sorry, baby. <laughs> um, she probably would be. I would honestly put her above um, uh, plenty of tool right now. There you go. Um, but okay. Now, now Nomi was one of the two that I'm going like I I yeah like I you said a line there about this is what Jinx would be. The one thing I walked out of that movie, I'm like she is a boring bland Jinx. She was the most disappointing thing in this movie for me because I loved her in the oh, trailers. But come on. She's, she's boring. She doesn't bring oh. anything to the movie. She's bland. She is jinx without personality. And it's just like, it's just, ugh. I don't think she has chemistry with people. I, I don't. I don't think she does. Maybe money, Penny. But, like, she just, oh, like, at the end, like, like her half line of the time to die, like oh, roll eyes. Like I just think, nah, I didn't, I didn't like her. She, she disappointed me, and I, I jinx a thousand times better. Sorry. No. Uh, well, first of all, Paloma. Yeah, this is the universally agreed upon opinion of this movie is that she is the best thing. And who when is we were she? Who is Anna Darmus? I want to see her in more things. Well, she was in, Daniel Craig. Basically, got her in this movie because she was in Knives Out with him. Didn't we work this out? This is a Daniel Craig thing, Cowboys and Aliens. I want Eve Green. No, yeah. I want that person. Like Daniel Craig yeah, exactly. needs to mack it on with girls because he can't <laughs> stick a break to wise. But uh, literally in the middle of uh, her scene, which is a long scene, uh, Jamie's like, you like this character, right? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. And then when we recorded the episode, Noel, I think you, you said, okay, if there's one character that is Colin's character, it's this. Because it is Rosie Carver. It is Mary Goodnight. And... Tiffany Case. Uh, tying into... Well, <laughs> 
No. <laughs> <laughs> Tiffany hey, Case. Tiffany actually... Case was right. She said you just killed James Bond and he's dead. So Tiffany Case is the most correct Bond <laughs> it, girl in all of James Bond. It only took her 50 years to be right. Uh, but what what works about Paloma and Nomi uh, is that they are not woke characters. This is what we need. You're completely right, Ben. Every time we have a movie. It, it, nowadays it feels like oh a woman is doing this whereas in star wars you didn't they're not doing anything different in rogue one or the force awakens that princess leia didn't already do and, and padme didn't already do and they didn't stop to make a big deal out of those things i can't remember what the movie was um our, our one-time guest host here uh rocky uh when we were covering another movie on the oz network I, I mentioned the exact same thing i'm like you know you don't need this in movies you should just make it you know oh this is a woman who's doing this and especially the James Bond movies this is not something new this is why I don't understand people yeah. even being afraid that this would be some woke thing because they've been doing this since the 60s or 70s yeah we've always had female agents and they've always been treated as equal which uh, can I just which started to interrupt but like like the criticism that Bond gets for being sexist and you can't defend the, most of the stuff that it's done over the years but Bond never gets credit for being advanced with these types of female mm-hmm. characters like Agent Triple X and, you know, Wei Natalia or Wei Lin, like e- even Tracy, like, like these characters who are, who are gra- Domino, like, like they're great characters that are never made a big deal that they're a woman, you know? Yeah. So, well, like, yeah. y- did you say Q? <laughs> Q me. Oh, I think it's said Q. <laughs> uh, well, it's pretty gay. Uh, <laughs> I love his cat. It's so ugly. They I, come I gotta in say, air, you know, this was the one thing that this is the one thing that Noah and I disagreed with on Silva. I'm totally on board with with Ben Wishaw now as you. Like this is the I one loved that him in this movie. I loved him in this movie. And, I will sorry and, Noah, but I did. I loved him. And really, one of the things that Noah you've often said is that th- th- this relationship is sort of like Bond the bully, the the jock versus the uncool mm. guy. I actually, having watched the series as a whole now, seeing the end of it, going back and watching all four or all five, five Craig movies back to back now. I see this more than anything, just flipping the roles, whereas Q would always be the one who'd be very aggressive with Bond and Bond would be almost, I I kind of interpret this now as Q's just sort of giving these subtle wisecracks and Bond's the one getting frustrated with him. So it's almost just a a bit of a progressive flip now where their roles are reversed. But, But as far as the woke stuff goes, I mean, Tracy is just as competent at carrying herself in a fight as anybody is. And that was 52 years ago. Like, this is not a new thing. And the way they handle Nomi is no different than they handle any other ally. Aside from the brief flirtation with her and Bond, she is just, you could have written this as a male ally. It's no different. Her role is appropriate for an ally. She's there. She's introduced. She helps Bond. Times she doesn't help Bond. And then she comes back in the end. And like you said, Noah, she never steals the show from Bond. She's this just there to provide an assist to him. Uh, What I think really works with Paloma and, and even with the, the, the Bond character himself in this movie is I feel like they've gotten to the point where they realize there, there's a way to do this without having to be, Oh, we can't have Bond be a woman. Bond is totally trying to sleep around with everybody in this movie. I mean, with with the scene with Nomi, it's like, that's not what I thought you were going to take off, you know, (laughs) when she takes off the hair. That's a bedroom. Yes, it is. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, it is. And even when, you know, he, uh, do you want to ride? Sure. And he's like, oh, just hang on tight. Like, it's okay for Bond to want to have sex with these women. The, the scene with Paloma, where she's watching him undress, is like, you know, you, you don't have to watch. It's like, oh, yeah, sorry. 
we don't have to be, oh, well, no, you can't say that in 2021. This is just, this is the way people are. So it's fine. Empoloma being, exactly. People have sex. I might even one day, who knows? But (laughs) Noah, there's hope for you, Noah. Um, But with Paloma, it's the exact same thing. And this is what I love because I've been defending Mary Goodnight for years. Rosie Carver, I've been defending when, when people are like, Tiffany Case? so not Tiffany Case. She is useless. Uh, oh, but hang on. That's not what I heard you say. What did I hear you say about her? Tiffany Case is probably one of the strongest Bond girls. There you go. Oh, I agree. That, that was, that was a good impression. Somebody did of Colin Hilding there, <laughs> but it's like, people have been afraid to say that, you know, Mary Goodnight or Rosie Carver could be fun characters because, oh, they, they are kind of bumbling a male. I said this during all of our recaps, a male character comes in and they're bumbling and they're doing the exact same as Mary Goodnight. They're like, well, that's good comic relief. Paloma to me is good comic relief. Having that line of, I trained for three weeks. So it was like, that is a Mary Goodnight line. That's a Rosie Carver line. I love that. So you need thing. to have something about a hat and power. Oh, yeah, sorry. I get really nervous yeah. when I'm on the job. Is yeah, she's downing her oh, drink. Yeah. It's a wine cellar. Uh, <laughs> We need characters like this. And and Jinx is everything that you shouldn't have where you just make a flawless character out of a female character because you're overcorrecting. Paloma and Nomi, they're giving these characters flaws. That's what we need. We need characters that have both flaws and strength. And Paloma is the best example. And Nomi, I'm going to say, she's a great ally. Is she one of the greatest allies of all time? No, but she serves her role in this movie. And the whole thing about making her 007, I think it is... It, 100% what this movie needed because it gives some conflict between her and Bond and it gives some fun interplay. Otherwise, she's just there. Oh, I'll help you 007. Great. Thanks for working with me, Nomi. No, give them some conflict. Can I just really jump in there and just say, because I want to talk about Paloma Ring, she's amazing, but like the one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie is when she's like, she does that thing where she's laying down and she kind of does like that, almost like the whoop, 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 Homer yeah. Simpson thing, but she's like <laughs> mowing down like five different bad guys. Oh, and actually on that topic, this has to be the highest kill count for any Bond movie. Like, oh, like, I'm a fr- three times. I'm like, I'm not even going to be able to follow this. Just the second time alone, I'm like, okay, I'm going to count. Like I try it, but that last sequence alone, which is amazing, the whole stair climb, there's at least 32 kills there. <laughs> That's yeah. in that seat alone. So, like, I think I said in my reaction episode, sorry, Brosnan, Goldeneye, I think your title's done. This is, Craig is just going out angry. <laughs> I think he might equal Sean Connery and Zardoz. <laughs> yeah, well, what, 13,000 or whatever it was. <laughs> I think, uh, I mean, just to respond to a few of those comments, but, I think with the whole 007 thing, I'm just thinking now, like, this film kind of succeeded where The Last Jedi completely failed, where The Last Jedi wanted to rewrite everything and nothing is sacred. And this kind of did that, like, with the 007 number in a way that they tried to do and completely failed on their ass. Um, just to quickly uh, touch on Q, because I feel like we pretty much mentioned what we have to say about Q. Still not my Q, hashtag not my Q. Uh, Still don't like him as Q, but I'm going to say Ben Whishaw, especially watching on a third time, does a freaking phenomenal job that in that quivering lip when Bond dies. Like, oh, that was amazing. He's going to go up so, so much in my rankings. Uh, oh, just that last scene. To me, even watching him, I'm like, that's not Q. But watching him as an actor and as a character 
interacting with Bond when he's saying, no, no, Bond, you've got to get out. And when he's saying, oh, of course, how stupid of me, I'll put Madeline on, uh, Bond, do this. He was just, he carried, well, Craig carried it, but he oh, really supported in that final scene. Uh, so to me, it's, it wasn't Q. Q is not someone who's with Bond as he's dying, but as an actor and a character there, a phenomenal job. Can I ask something um, really quickly? Because I don't know if you're going to bring it up, Noah, or like give Jill. I I don't know. Like, I, I'm sorry if I'm preempting you, but like, I would. I want to hear what you two think of this whole Daddy Bond thing because I feel like that's like a big talking point. That I don't know what you two feel about Daddy Bond. Can we can we come back to that in a minute? That's, yeah, let's. Oh, you are coming back to it. I just I thought we'd missed it. Like in the whole Bond dying, Daddy Bond were the God. two big things. But I I, I want to say on on Q. Sorry, um, Noah. <laughs> that came out in the middle of nowhere. We're talking about Q. Right I'm, I'm desperate. There's two things I'm dying to know. It's not Colin's experience of not seeing it the second time and Daddy Bond. <laughs> Sorry, well, I'll well, shut up. With with Q, uh, I think I, I can't remember if I mentioned this on air or off air for our spoiler free one, but uh, I was telling Noah that if we had not had Desmond Llewellyn for what, 17 movies, I don't think it would be as hard to accept a reinterpretation because that's all that Ben Washoe is doing. He's doing a reinterpretation the same way that Judy, Judy Dench, there's probably more drastic differences between Judy Dench and Bernard Lee than there is between um, Desmond Llewellyn and Ben Wishaw, as far as like what they do with the character. It's just a different interpretation. I still stand by that, especially after rewatching all five of these movies, being able to see all five back to back. I really pick up on a lot of the subtle cue things where like, we're just going to do what we did differently. The fact that they have the, that when he comes in and he's sort of bumbling, Oh, 007. I thought you were dead. <laughs> Relax. That is like the, Oh, shut up Q, you know? And then having Q on the scene in the airplane where they open it up the drawer and he's got a tea set in there. I'm like, that is the most Desmond Llewellyn thing ever. Like that's his boat. I just, I, I, I was so on the fence. Cause I, I was probably a bigger defender of Ben Wash, Ben Wishaw's Q off of his first two movies than you two were. But then we did the rankings. I'm like, I don't know if I can rank him yet. Cause I don't feel like this character is complete. And now that we've seen this, I'm like, I love him. I think he's fantastic. He will never be Desmond Llewellyn, but this is, a cue that I can get behind if they are going to bring anybody back. I don't know if they are going to bring it back for future movies. I'm almost more disappointed if they ditch the cast just because I want to see more of Ben Wishaw's cue. I want to see more Naomi Harris and I want to see more Ray Fiennes. I'll just add one thing that I'm sure that Q would love you to get behind him. So um... <laughs> I, I just want to pause hey? uh, because Jamie, uh, Jamie just woke up, I guess, with the kids and I heard her upstairs and then I get a text message from her that just says, thought I'd forgotten you, eh? I'm like, yes! <laughs> Jeremy, um, <laughs> I was going to say just with, like, I, like I, I've i always been sort of the middle ground with Q, probably more so on Noah's side, but uh, he's, he, I don't know how far he would go up, but I just, I really enjoyed him. But I, I definitely agree with Noah that still not my Q. Like, to me, Q is Desmond Llewellyn, but I just think that he fits this era of the films. Like, he works and, like, he develops. Like, if one person got shafted in this movie, it was Money Penny. Oh, um, yeah. She was just, like, Padme in Revenge of the Sith. I mean, I know she wasn't pregnant, but she may as well have been barefoot <laughs> and pregnant in the background, just, like, did nothing. Um, and just also, while I'm on the MI6 crew, I just wanted to say M. It's all M's fault. <laughs> um, like, I, lo- I love the comments I saw. It was like, 
M did this. M killed Bond because M's so incompetent in this movie. And Bond basically dies because he wants to get out of being a dad. Um, so, <laughs> but um, yeah, like I, I, I think actually we meant. I, I think we legitimately mentioned in one of the episodes because I didn't actually realize that Ben Whishaw was gay in real life. So I think I said in one of the episodes, like, oh, maybe Q's gay. That would be fun. Um, and like, I just, I just, again, I just want to. You did I just, this. I, I just love it. I love the subtlety of it. I just love it. it's just a literal passing comment of, oh, he'll be here in 20 minutes. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay, cool. That's good on him. Uh, I, I still want to talk about, but you two keep jumping in. I haven't talked about Paloma, for God's sake. Uh, I, lo- I, lo- I love how, like, we're all like, who's hosting? And I was like, oh, I guess I could. <laughs> like, Nicole and I are taking control. We're Danny, Colin, and practice. Ben. <laughs> like, oh, money pretty. Um, Sorry, uh, I'll shut up. That? Uh, no, uh, Let me play I this to get back in the mood. All right, I'm good. Now we're all in <laughs> the mood. <laughs> uh, just like a final comment on Q, uh, I think the most unintentionally hilarious moment in this uh, film, apart from the Robert Brown cameo, is... <laughs> Uh, when when he says like oh 007, nice to see you. and then M says like uh, don't be stupid Q I know Bond's staying with you I also love the look like the the, the funny what even makes that even funnier is when like Q comes in and just the look on Bond's face he's kind of got this like hmm? like what are you what are you saying he's got this really like quirky look on Daniel Craig's face when Q's like oh Bond I haven't seen you how's retirement. <laughs> Yeah, it's just I want to see the movie where they're staying together. Like, oh, don't you have a spare bed? Q, what is this couch? Uh, and you know what? Judy like, Dench wouldn't even. She was just, well, you're not bloody well staying with me. Q's nicer <laughs> than her. Well, I mean, obviously, it's a long enough film as it is, but if this was a Roger Moore one or a Sean Connery, <laughs> this is where you cut to the scene where Q's having his date dinner and Bond's <laughs> sitting there silently drinking the wine, like making snarky comments. That's the scene. Must be I the breadsticks. <laughs> <laughs> Bond's been like fatherly to Q, like, what are your intentions with my Q? <laughs> Home before 10. A lot of opportunity for that scene. Um, uh, yeah, so I guess I, I do want to make a comment on Paloma, but you mentioned the other ones. I just want to say uh, Ray Fiennes finally got it uh, wow. to the point where uh, if he leaves, I'll be really disappointed because he's got at least another three or four in him. He's just getting it now. He was phenomenal. I agree that uh, money but phenomenal, phenomenal, <laughs> amazing. Uh, but I agree, Money Penny was shafted. I'm okay because she fit her role. The one thing I wanted, Bond comes in. He hasn't seen Money Penny for five years. She's finally at a desk. Let's yeah. have our Money Penny scene. Let him throw the uh-huh. hat, and let's have oh, Money Penny. I haven't seen you in five years. Like, uh, like while well, I waited. I waited long enough, blah, 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 whatever. Diamonds. I was okay with the things she did because I'm an advocate of get these characters out. I want them in three scenes. I don't want them in 10 scenes. I'm yeah. not a fan of that. So I was fine with Money Penny's role. That's what I want them to get down to like less Money Penny, less Q, less M. But I just wanted that one, like, they just needed that one moment. It was always, oh, money, money, whatever, I slipped my wrist, blah, blah, blah. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think she got shafted, really. I just wish we had that one scene. Uh, M, just absolutely fantastic. I do want to talk about Paloma, but do you want to just quickly talk about the MI6, uh, blah, blah, blah? Uh, 
I, I just want to say, I, I think the fact that we didn't have, it doesn't even need to be seen, just a moment is why she's shafted. This is the right length of a role for her. Um, and, and I actually really like what they did with her in Skyfall and Spectre now in retrospect, going back and looking over it, because it is, it's a great role. And they still, they find a way to fit that flirtation. Maybe it's just a chemistry thing. Daniel Craig and Naomi Harris have incredible chemistry. Like, having rewatched all these movies, I'm just, I'm blown away. And I can't imagine what they could do. Even just doing a reading, let's just do a table reading of them doing some past Sean Connery, uh, Lois Maxwell scenes, but all the movies like Skyfall Spectre, they had that moment of flirtation. And here it's just, there's a quick moment where she just sort of like flicks his badge, his visitor badge. like, well, Bond, nice to see you back. Like, okay, give us a little bit more than that. Like something at the desk, anything, you know, even, even if it has to be off screen, if it's, uh, if it's something where Nomi's talking about, oh, I see where you tried to shoot him. She just sort of, well, everybody tries at least once, which is a great line, but give us some type of flirtation, even if it's not the two of them in the same room together. You know, we don't need to have her masturbating, uh, you know, while watching VR Daniel Craig, but we, we had, no flirtation at all. And and we didn't even have a moment where it felt like their chemistry fit together and their chemistry is way too good to be wasted in one quick walk down a hallway. I agree with that. Cause I don't think they had really any, even when he dies, I feel she doesn't even really react. She's the one that reacts the least almost, but um, look, I got ripped into this. Um, I, I got ripped a new one in our MI6 crew by saying that I think Samantha Bond and Pierce Brosnan had better chemistry. I still stand by that. I'm sorry. Um, <sighs> but I like the M like, yeah, I, I just, I just love incompetent M, but I, I kind of like, I'm with you. I like his, I, I, I want Ray Fiennes to sound, but I, I kind of like mysterious M like, Ooh, what's M doing? Like, is M evil? Like, Ooh, what's going on here? But, um, I like some of the, the funny little scenes I like, like when Bond comes back in, it's like. Has this desk gotten uh, bigger? Have you just gotten smaller? And then, like, when he leaves, the oh, desk definitely the same size. It's like, you know, or like, what is it when he like when he's on the phone to M for the first time? It's like M, darling, or something like that. Like when he, he says that on the phone to him. Um, but like the chemistry between Ray Fiennes and and Daniel Craig got like even better, I oh, think, too. Sorry. So yeah, a ta- well, Tanner like just- Tanner was just Tanner. Tanner was fine. Yeah, yeah. One thing I noticed on my. Oh, I was just gonna ask. No, what did you think of Paloma? Yeah, no, <laughs> Paloma. What do you think of Paloma? <laughs> no, no, uh, no, but one thing I noticed on my third watch as when Bob leaves Retro. after that, when M says that, uh, Ray finds actually looks down at his body. He's like, "Did I get smaller?" Which yeah. is a great look. <laughs> <laughs> he just a very subtle one. I like uh, his little um his little Felix bit when he's like I don't blah 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 uh, Felix is like because he's dead. Felix oh, I had the most respect like, for Felix Leiter. <laughs> Felix Leiter is this big like like as if M would know who Felix Leiter is. Like, <laughs> I have a lot of respect for Leiter. Like, Can we just establish the fact that Bond chuck revenge for Dilla more so than when actually Felix dies. Brother, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, the brother moment. Yeah, oh, sorry. I mean. Sorry. You guys said sorry. Shut up, no, I was talking about Paloma. <laughs> I, I don't have a lot to add, but one thing I just thought <laughs> All of that! Wow, well, well, I gotta talk about Paloma. Come on, guys. Well, I don't really have a lot to add. I have nothing to declare. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he wanted to talk about the daughter in the middle of talking about cues. <laughs> 
stupid I just think shit. it was pitch perfect and uh, people are saying, like, well, bring her back or why wasn't there more? No, this is what a secondary Bond girl is. Mm-hmm. They nailed it. Why yeah. Why can't we just nail something and not, oh, let's, people are talking about let's do the Paloma movie. Like, fuck off. Like, let's just get something <laughs> right and live with it and enjoy it. Uh, it annoys me so much. She was pitch perfect. The only thing I would add, I would have got them together. I would have had a scene of those two together because he wasn't with Madeline at that point. So I would have added that in for the secondary Bond girl. Uh, but I loved her saying, like, come back, visit me sometime. And I loved her little, like, she knows Felix. Like, I wanted to see the scene where Felix is like, Paloma, this is Lucia Schiara. And like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the one thing I, I want to say about Paloma and that whole Cuba scene which best scene in the movie. Mm-hmm. If Bond 26 is that scene as an entire film, that's what I want. I want that yeah. Cuba scene. It still had the sort of Daniel Craigie, but Cuba but is redeemed. Cuba <laughs> is redeemed. That scene was amazing, but this is what I want for Bond 26. I want that Cuba scene as an entire film because that is dun, the best dun, part dun. of the film, hands down. Bring back Raul. Wow, he probably sold the delictado to Felix. <laughs> and Baby mentions, I don't want to go to Cuba. I want to go to the middle. Yeah, I was going to say, are we going to talk about Felix now? Oh. I mean, that's why I'm so glad we didn't do the Felix rankings uh, because Jeffrey Wright would have been lower than you two were expecting me because my kind of argument, as much as I think he's an amazing actor, is – him and Craig barely spoke to each other over the course of two films. He was the only one to be in two films apart from David Hedison, and they barely spoke, especially Quantum. Uh, so I was actually going to have uh, Felix uh, much lower than maybe you were thinking, not like Cecilinda low, but uh, <laughs> oh, oh, my God, uh, tying in with the Cuba stuff. So amazing. Not even his death, like just the chemistry that we never saw in those other two films. I'm thinking, oh my God, if only we could have had this because those two in the bar and everything that happened and then on the boat was so good that it, it has to be maybe the best overall single film cube performance. And like, yeah, he went to his wedding in License to Kill, but you just get the chemistry and the camaraderie in this film so well. So. Oh my god! I'm just so happy in every Felix scene, and oh, so sad. But it's kind of been overshadowed by Bond's death to the point where it's like you maybe didn't have to do that. Yeah, I mean, I I love Jeffrey Wright and everything, uh, and I, I think what they did with him in the first two movies is great. Uh, you know, as an introduction to Felix. But what you are missing is what you have in the books and what you have um, in even like the David Hedison uh, performance we got, which is just that 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 buddy dynamic between them, old the old buddy dynamic. Uh, but what, with Casino Royale, you know that was what Felix had been missing for every movie since Doctor No, which is that he's the cool Felix. This is a spy Felix, not some desk jockey who's just showing Bond around town, which is we get in all the other movies. In Quantum of Solace, I actually think that Jeffrey writes one of the better things in that movie. It's just we only get the one scene between him and Bond, but we still get a little bit of progression. What we get in this movie is probably, of all the Daniel Craig movies, of all the 
acting scenes he's had, Silva, you know, Money Penny, anything. This is the greatest pairing of actors. This is the single greatest chemistry any two actors have in this Daniel Craig series is D- uh, Daniel Craig and Jeffrey Wright. Yeah. They are so perfect together. I want to see them in any way. Forget about let's get Eva Green in this movie. Let's get Anna Darmus in this movie. Daniel Craig, start going to bat to get Jeffrey Wright in every movie with you because I've, I have, it's been so long since I've seen two actors fit so perfectly together. And the death, I'm kind of, again, confused why people are making a big deal about this. Like it's a sacred thing. The fact is most people... Most Bond fans think that Felix died in License to Kill already. Like they don't realize he comes back at the end of that movie. You know the the Pierce Brosnan movie. Channel Nine thought he died in their description. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that was one of the things with the the Pierce Brosnan movies. I I remember for years hearing people say like, "Oh, well, they only had Jack Wade in there because Felix died." I'm like, Felix never died. Like people already thought Felix died, and now all of a sudden, since Felix is dying. People are upset about it, but like, this is what the movie needed. You, you, if you have two hours and 45 minutes, one of the reasons why the two hours and 45 minutes feels like it, it, it breezes by is because they know when to throw something dramatic in there. They know when to throw in the twist of a child. They know when to throw in the twist of Felix dying. And if they had gone the route, I, I, I think that's one of the problems with license to kill is that, it feels like such an inappropriate revenge mission for, you know, the death of somebody we were just introduced to. And then a guy losing his arm, you know, there have been much worse things that have happened and bond hasn't been quite that dedicated. If they had even gone the route of him doing the revenge mission here, it would have been more appropriate than license to kill, but it still doesn't fit. What, what one of the best things in quantum is where he throws Mathis's body in the dumpster. And is this what you do to your friends? And he goes, he wouldn't care. It's the same thing with Felix. He's like, yeah, yeah, you know, I had a brother's name was Felix, but he's like, Felix wouldn't care. He doesn't need me on a revenge mission. That is what makes sense for James Bond. And he gets revenge in the kind of the Roger Moore scene when he kicks the car on, the, mm-hmm. you know, like I the, the first time I saw it today with that line of I had a brother Felix, I, I got a bit, oh, that's a bit cringy. But then I was like, okay, no, actually, I, I, I like it. Um, <laughs> I think I agree with everything you both say. I. I, I love the um some of the lines that they have. Like I, I love I love them playing that weird game in the like the guessing how many yeah. coins are in their hand Two, game. Four. I don't even know what that was. I like the whole like uh, um do you need my number, brother? I've got your number. And like when they're at the bar and you see Jay, uh, Craig walks off, Bond walks off, and Felix is almost like no, like yeah, he's not going <laughs> to join me. Um, but like one of my favorite bits is like when he's like dying and he's like. Oh, this reminds me of my shrimp boating days. It's like you're from <laughs> Milwaukee or something like that. It's like, is that what I said? Oh, I don't remember that. But like, that also, subtle Della reference. I want to go home to my family for another uh, for another successful mission. Della's at home. Della, she still exists. So he's got a family. That, but yeah, that that's the the new identity that he gave Lucia. Yeah, but you're like, gonna be named I, Della. <laughs> I'm all, and like. I'm kind of sad in a way that the death of Felix will always be overshadowed by the death of Bond because, like, I feel like it would be interesting that if we could have just come out of this movie and be like, oh, my God, it's a movie they kill Felix. And I, to me, it was interesting, like, when he died because, I like, again, I'm like, oh, my God, they can't kill Felix. But then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, okay, like, well, maybe they can. Like, is he really that sacred? I've never read the books. So I don't know what happens. But, like, I was kind of like, I, I get why they could kill Felix off because maybe they're just like, well, we don't need to bring him back all the time. We can just bring back Jack Wade or something like that. But... Um, yeah, I, I'm with you, Noah. I'm glad we didn't rank the Felixes either because like, I, Jeffrey Wright was always kind of that one where I was like, I've never disliked Jeffrey Wright, but how do I rank him? 
Um, but I think maybe we're all pretty much got a firm opinion now. Maybe he gets an unfair advantage because he's been in the most, but I think we've all probably got a pretty firm realization where he will end up. But like, also, in all honesty, if you're going to take screen time, David, H- over the course of three movies, yeah. Jeffrey Wright probably has less screen time than David Hedison has. That's true. Um, and and yes. I think having having multiple movies definitely helps. But, but yeah, I, I think if we were to rank single movie, let's forget the casino or quantum ever happened. Let's pretend this is a new actor coming in. Jeffrey Wright still stomps yeah. all over everybody. Oh, yeah. Uh, including movies, John Terry. Um, oh. so- yes. <laughs> hey, we just found out he might be a terrorist. No, I'll be careful. <laughs> Uh, we, we will uh, we will talk about Daddy Bomb, but let's just quickly, while we're on Daddy Felix, uh, there are, are three sort of side characters that I think we should... I haven't seen a lot about all of them, but because there's so much in this film, they're kind of getting overshadowed, but I think they shocked everyone, at least me and Colin and probably Ben. Uh, the the three, uh, Logan Ash, uh, the Book of Mormon. Uh, <laughs> I love that guy. <laughs> Can I, just, uh, can, I just, sir, can I please interrupt? I have to say this, like, sorry, Noah. The one line which I said to you guys off air that I'm like, Colin's opinion's finally vindicated when that whole, like, bo- who's Booker Mormon? He smiles too much. I'm thinking, like, yeah, <laughs> yes! Colin's like, <laughs> there's I Colin's vindication <laughs> for, like, Daniel, uh, for Timothy Dalton. <laughs> sorry, Noah. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I, I'm dumb. I didn't see it coming. I didn't see I thought it was just comic relief with Felix. Like, um, and it was... It worked perfectly. It was very Fleming to have this sort of side character. There, that, oh no, they were actually, um, and just I thought he did a great job as this sort of secondary villain. And his between his hilarious moment uh, as I'm a big fan Bond, and <laughs> even when he like on the boat he says, "Oh, I was a big fan of it." Like you would see that in a Connery or a Moore film. That that line would happen from a character. Um, you could hear Wind and Kid saying that, uh, and then his death, like phenomenal so i thought he was a real nice surprise uh and the other two real nice surprises even more than logan ash was the fact that we got a henchman which was yeah not really even i had no clue like, advertised yeah. at all and i get i get uh dave bautista is a big name and this guy's not but uh not the greatest henchman but just the fact that we had one with a quirk like was such a nice surprise I, i'm almost glad that we didn't really know much about that so primo the the henchman that the fact that we had the eye cyclops uh i thought was just a great little added touch we in the recap we'll get into like the the ickiness with him in terms of the plot and where he actually fits in uh and the fact that he's there at the beginning and the end um but Nice surprise and easily one of my favorite characters as a Roger Moore era fan, as a Pierce Brosnan era fan, Voldo, the Russian scientist. <laughs> I've seen get hate, which blows my mind. Why? Uh, which says really bluish, really bluish mind. Uh, yeah. He gets hate of, oh, it was too silly for this movie it was too campy i'm like i'm guessing maybe you've only seen the craig films perhaps um it doesn't fit he was easily one of my favorite things and we knew he was going to be in this film i think most people thought oh maybe one scene at the beginning exposition or something i don't think people realized that he was playing the big secondary villain who almost had the same screen time as Saffin did. Mm-hmm. He was hilarious. It was Boris. It was straight out of a Brosnan so film. 
I'm pissing. This is what you want in a Bond film. You want to go and you want to be laughing the entire way through, even if it is serious. You want this character that makes you roll your eyes and chuckle and uh, you want to laugh at and who's a little bit camp. I compared him to uh, Dr. Kaufman, not as a character, but just in that sort of tone. Uh, Boris, obviously, like you would see this in Brosnan. Like this entire film felt very Brosnan. Um, I'm always thinking to put Brosnan in it instead of Craig. Um, but uh, he was so nice. <laughs> Third time watching, I'm still still loving Voldo. So, uh, I mean, I guess we can just quickly touch on these three characters who. To me, all three were a nice surprise, and I liked all three of them. Yeah, you know what? What the best thing about this is that I had different ideas going in for all these characters. I mean, the Cyclops had no clue the guy was even in the movie, which was the best surprise we get. Not only that we get a henchman that we weren't expecting, but that we get a henchman who has a quirk and who's so memorable. Without even knowing, because the other two that I think I knew the actors were in the movie and they said, oh, this guy's going to be playing a scientist. This guy's going to be playing a CIA agent. I basically said they're going to end up being the henchmen of the movie. And um, they're not really. They are more secondary villains uh, with Logan Ash. Uh, the, the smartest thing they did in this movie is they probably knew everybody going in was going to expect him to t- be some type of double agent or traitor uh, because this is just what the bomb. Why else would you be promoting another CIA guy when you already have Felix in there, unless he's going to turn out to be a bad, this is David Harbor and quantum Masala. So the audience is almost expecting it. So then when you get introduced to him and he's like, you go from, if you do have that expectation of, Oh yeah, he's definitely going to end up being a villain. Then you get introduced to him. You're like, there's no way they can make this guy a villain. <laughs> like he is way too goofy. He is way too timid. It's, but it's so brilliant the way that they, they kind of played that, uh, that character, the opposite of what you'd expect. Uh, and Valdo, that, that was one of the first things I saw when I was seeing reactions online. Cause I think you, I hadn't read anything until we did the episode. And then you had said that uh, when we did the spoiler free one that, Oh, people aren't really high on this character. And then I immediately started reading all these opinions and people loved the movie. And they're like, Oh, the only thing I didn't like was this Valdo guy. Like, Why this is, it is more subtle than Boris. So if you're upset about how over the top he is and how goofy he is, Boris is way more over the top and everybody loves Boris. Uh, he perfectly fits this movie. He injects comic relief when there needs to be comic relief. You go from this very heavy back-to-back pre-title scene, and then you have this other very heavy scene where they're stealing this virus. If you didn't have him cracking jokes in there, you've spent way too long being dragged. You spent half an hour of this movie being dragged down with heavy material that it wouldn't make sense to introduce any comedy after that. If you don't have him in that, that opening scene being goofy, None of the other comedy works in this movie. So it's so important they did have that character when they had him in the movie too. And then to still make him, because I almost found he was too lovable at parts of the movie. We're like, I don't want this guy to die. To have the things thrown in the end, the kind of subtly racist comments he has, you're like, you know, it's okay, kill the guy now. Uh, it's just awesome. And that, so many of the little things, I, I I love the lines they have just in the background with him, like where uh, nobody punches him. And then they've cut away from him. You just sort of hear quietly in the background go, my nose! Oh. <laughs> like, if you if you had had that front and center where you're focused, oh my nose! Oh, then yes, he's too over the top. But they let a lot of his jokes just sort of be stuff in the background, like his Ebola comment and all that. It, it's such a perfect character. I mean, all three of these characters were above and beyond what I expected the secondary character of this movie to deliver. 
I completely agree with everything. I the only one I knew of these three that was in it is Billy Magnuson, and I didn't even know who Billy Magnuson was. I had no clue. Um, the other two I had no clue they were in this movie. The opening when we've got we meet Cyclops and we kind of see this quirk. I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. Um, I I'm saying this now. To me, he's the best henchman since Davidov. Uh, I mean, probably <laughs> probably best henchman since in all seriousness, Stamper. Like maybe Zhao. I mean, I'm not as high on Zhao as somebody is in this, but um, I mean, I loved Hinks. But he's better than Hinks. Like, I just, yeah. there's something like, it's, it's the quirk. And it's just like, kind of this, like, even the way he's, you don't get a read on him and like, kind of his relationship he has with Valdo and just kind of this, just, I don't know, there's just something about it. And his death just- scene is epic. Like, it's <laughs> like so good. One thing I just want to say on that really quickly comedy great there's some great one-liners but there was like about five moments where i'm like one liner should be said there one liner should be said there one liner like there's some missed opportunities even though we've got some good ones um i i had i'm with you now i had no clue that this logan guy was evil no clue i thought he was going to be like beam and just kind of like the side quirky like see i, I actually remember i think i don't think we ever talked about it but i think when i watched quantum i thought beam was going to be evil um, and he wasn't, and I had no clue that this guy was evil. And I, I, oh, his death scene is like, holy crap, like Roger Moore-esque vibes, fantastic. And I, I like, I've read reactions today, like sort of in my six weeks of avoiding everything, avoided reviews, avoided everything. I've not seen anything bad. I haven't really been digging that far, clearly, but I love that. Like, as soon as I saw him, I'm like, oh, my God, it's Boris. We've got Boris back. Like, the, the whole opening scene with the Ebola is like, my soup thicker, it could burn this and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, holy crap, this guy's amazing. And, like, I, I did cringe. Like, I'm with you. Like, I think he, he was almost lovable. And, yeah, I guess you've got to throw something out there. So, okay, let's just make him randomly racist. Because, like, it just came out of nowhere when he's just like, I could wipe out your entire race. I'm like, where did that come from? Um, So they just, like, had to come up with an excuse to make him evil. Uh, Well, I guess he was evil. He was trying to, you know, kill people with viruses and and robotic nano, whatever (laughs) the fuck they are. But, like, I, I... I loved it. I loved all three of them. And, like, I just loved being surprised. I had no clue we were going to have a henchman or Boris, basically, or evil Mormon guy. So, yeah. I, I think one thing that it's just clicking with me now, one thing that's great about Voldo is I just realised he he narrates everything that's happening on screen. So he's a, mm. oh, Magnus. Oh, Magnus. Oh, <laughs> I love that line at the end. <laughs> yeah. And then when he's doing the thing at the party, oh, happy times for Spectre. Good times. <laughs> can, we, can we seriously talk about the fact, like, I feel this is going to be something in the recap that you guys are going to rip shit into and fine, but we have Blofeld having a birthday party. <laughs> <laughs> That's a birthday party. Uh, I love it. I love Blofeld having a birthday party. <laughs> on, on, on Blofeld, I was really wanting Voldo when, when he was begging for his life with Nomi at the end. I, I really think you could have chucked in, I'll buy you a delicatessen instead. <laughs> <laughs> um, Cuckoo. But yeah, I love Voldo. One of my favourite parts of the movie. Uh, so we're getting through it, but bam, we're here. Daddy Bond. Uh, Are we going to talk about Blofeld at all? That. Uh, we're gonna, well, finally, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go, go. let's talk about Daddy Bond. This is Noah with Paloma. Come on, I got somebody to say on Paloma. I just, I just wanted to say one Daddy thing Bond, about Daddy Blofeld because I didn't know if you want to talk. I Daddy want to talk Bond. about Daddy Bond, but all right, say uh, your one thing about Blofeld. I, I, um, I was completely wrong on Blofeld. I thought he was going to escape and like set it all up, but I think you said no that you want to be fair. I, I, again, I loved the Blofeld scene because I just I'm so engaged because like the thing that I liked about it was that. 
they went that sort of half comedy, half seriousness. And like, I've read all the references. Like I, I've not read the book, so I didn't know the whole die bl- Blofeld die. Like that was cool. Like once I read what that was, but like, like the whole Spectre scene, I just loved because it's just this, such a almost a Roger Morris silly Blofeld's having a birthday party. Someone's walking around with a pillow with an eye oh on it. God, the I, weird I, bald skinny guy. I, I and there were so many. A bunch of them were Inspector. Were they? Didn't we have the Mickey Mouse guy? Wasn't the there was a bald Mickey Mouse guy? Was there? Wasn't he? Like I think if you pay attention, some of them were in the Spectre scene from. I Spectre. feel like that would have been brought up by now, but I've not read anything. Maybe. About a, and I saw the Idris Elba guy. I saw the Idris Elba guy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought, thought it was too. <laughs> I thought it was Idris Elba, and I'm um, sorry. Don't don't attack me. I thought it was Idris no, Elba. I, Can I just say, had Idris Elba been in a cameo in this film, that would have been the cameos to end all cameos. I agree. To the point where I'm upset that it wasn't because that would have been such yeah. a troll. Why didn't they do that? I agree. Like, like, just, uh, just, I don't know. There's just something about Christoph Waltz. Like, he solidifies me as the best Blofeld. Like, I, I and I, I, a lot of the complaints I read was, oh, the dumb scene when he's coming in his little cage and it's going. I love. I was laughing. I'm like, that's hilarious. He's got this little cage going down a little corridor. And he, like, I just fucking love it. And I just, I like the scene with him and like Bond and like what's that part where like Bond's going on about like oh and I went here and blah 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 and I went to your birthday happy birthday by the way and Blofeld's like thank you (laughs) (laughs) I just I love and like I get was not expecting him to die and the mat like when they kind of looked and they turned their head I thought oh my god he's escaped like I thought that was him escaping but then he's just dead just killed Blofeld off um, you maybe just the killed Blofeld like, <laughs> the, one, the one thing I'll say about that whole thing is like the, the, oh we're here at Blofeld's birthday party this looks like everyone from Spectre like oh, <laughs> how convenient <laughs> literally everyone from Spectre is all here at once oh the convenience but sorry I just I wanted to talk about Blofeld for our recap because there's too much to say on that bit but yeah like I've, I have a lot of issues with the logistics of Blofeld's role in this movie because none of it makes sense but in a weird way the more I watch this movie the more I'm okay with it because it feels fitting of a classic Bond movie like you don't need to have everything make sense and explain everything there's a place for let's do a serious Bond movie where everything kind of makes sense like from Russia with Love Honor Majesty's Secret Service um, Living Daylights and every once in a while you just need no Uh, but every once in a while you need a something a little bit short of die another day like a no time to die where you're like you know I'm, I'm i don't care if it's over the top i i care about some of the stuff in die another day being too over the top it doesn't bother me that much uh, i'm so torn on blofeld in this movie because what we do get of him i feel like is better than specter and having just rewatched specter literally 24 hours before i watched this the third time and seeing these back to back I mean, I would have said my opinion would have gone down on Christoph Waltz after rewatching Spectre again, because yes, his performance is great in the first couple scenes, but the second half of the movie, again, it just doesn't, it's not fitting. It's not good where I'd be so critical of him as a villain, but in a weird way, his appearance in this is what I wanted at the end of Spectre. I wanted this dynamic with Bond. I wanted, you know, to kind of see them playing off each other more. And one of the biggest problems with Spectre is that it doesn't make sense. So it almost feels like I'm being hypocritical to say, I like what they do with him in this movie, even though it doesn't make sense because what they do with him in Spectre, I think ruins him because it doesn't make any sense. 
But if you'd combine these two movies, somehow you get the perfect Blofeld. I don't think you get it from either one movie or the other. The problem with this is that he shouldn't have been one of the two villains. It steals from Safin and Safin steals from Blofeld and it doesn't work having both in this movie. I would have been okay if they just made this a Blofeld movie. I think that I would have been okay if they just made this a Safin movie. Making it both of them hurts the movie. But the scene itself... With him, Blofeld, it's one of these things I'm torn on when we eventually do Hall of Fame. It's kind of like the James Bond death scene. It makes sense that this would be a Hall of Fame scene, but also I almost don't want to include it because did it need to be there? Yeah, that's where I'm I'm thinking like either make him just, if you're doing Madeline twice, do Blofeld oh. twice. Um, oh. Gladly on both. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> At the same time. Freeze you them. do. <laughs> No, no, I'm not allowed to comment on that. Uh, but I, I, this is something maybe we, I, I'm the odd one out because I felt like Christoph Waltz phoning it in a bit in this. Oh. I, I didn't get it from him. I, I felt disappointed with his performance in this scene. It just felt like he had an off day where he was just Bad a bit call. like, oh, Mr. Bond, blah, blah, blah. oh, don't leave. And then like, this is something for the recap, but it was Madeline. It was always Madeline. What? There was a um, funny line though when it when Bond's like, "Give me a name, Madeline." Madeline. No, give me another yeah. name. <laughs> yeah, Madeline again. That's when he says, "Give me another name." He says, "Mickey Mouse." Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, my fa- I just want to say my favorite part of this entire thing, like what what Christoph Waltz does well, is where Bond says something like, "Oh, you know, I uh, you want me to leave or something like that." And he goes, "I don't want you to leave." We're just yeah, getting to know each other again. <laughs> <laughs> but that, but then when that sort of stuff happens, I'm thinking, oh, I want, I, I want more, Roger, Roger. Moore. And <laughs> like we just had Felix dying, and now we're. It just felt like they built up finally 50 years. McClory is dead. Let's bring back Spectre, uh, and then Blofeld dead straight after he got captured. But save that for our recap, can I guess. But can I ask one, one really quick like, question? To both of you as the book lovers, did like did, did you immediately both when he did the whole die blow fell die? Was it were you both of you like jizzing your pants as Bond lovers going, Oh my god, that's I, from the books? I I, I didn't, didn't catch until the time. Yeah, I didn't catch until the second viewing. And that's oh. probably after I'd already read something online. But then like I will forgive it because I'm I'm the champion of do all the Fleming stuff, so I'm gonna forgive it, but just felt a bit off for Craig to be shouting "Die, blow, Vel died," and doing a Homer Simpson strangle. Just felt a bit off. Um, <laughs> yeah, so tell me the time. I just think either do the plot twist that Safin do all the press and oh, Safin's the baddie, but then reveal oh no, he's actually the henchman and he breaks Blofeld out. So do that, Renard. or yeah, like the Renard, or. Be like, oh my God, Safin has killed all of Spectre and he's going to kill the world. Blofeld, I know you're evil, but I need your help and do a Hannibal Lecter sort of thing and almost mm-hmm. turn him into a, almost turn him into a sort of uh, ally in a way, you know, a weird yeah. sort of twisted ally. And then at the end of the film, he doesn't die, but it's like, well, you're going to be stuck in here for the rest of your life, but thanks for your help. Uh, I forgive you, Blofeld, blah, 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 something like that. Like, do the Hannibal Lecter thing. It just felt like, here's the scene. We needed to chuck it in. Oh, surprise, Christoph's back. Oh, Spectre, that thing you were excited for for 50 years. Oh, no, that's gone in one scene, blah, blah, blah. But I guess recap episode we can get into. Uh, so we've pretty much talked about all the characters except for let's uh, group... Uh, 
do do. Madeline. Madeline. We haven't talked about Madeline. <laughs> I don't know what Ben's saying. I think that's probably the oh. best performance I've ever seen from a four-year-old in my life. I thought she was fantastic for who you she don't was. Know the four-year-olds, uh, I know. Uh, just quickly on Madeline, I, I liked her better. This film feel like you did kind of have to bring it back, but I was still missing like having that new Bond girl. It just felt like we don't need to mess with the formula, which we've done a lot with the Craigs. So I thought her and Craig's chemistry was so much better in this film uh, than last time. So confused about the whole, like her packing the bags and Blofeld calling her and everything that happened there. But again, maybe recap episode. Um, so I liked her much better in this film. Uh, and her chemistry daddy bond firstly i thought she did a great job matilde um doo as well <laughs> I, I don't know i'm i still don't know after three what i think the way that he dies and everything that happens i'm okay with it uh when it was happening and she said don't worry it's yours i went oh god sure we're not going there um but then when it was revealed, by the time it ended, it was just like, oh, I'm, I'm okay with it. I never thought I would be okay with James Bond being a dad in the films. Uh, but, yeah, I don't say I love it, and I don't know if it was needed. Uh, like, did, did we need the little girl? But the way he was uh, saying he, she has your eyes and how he was holding Dudu at the end, like, and then he says, this is my uh, – and he sort of trails off family uh, – like I, I bought it from Craig. I wouldn't buy it from Connery. I wouldn't buy it from more Lazenby, but Dalton. I bought it from Craig. Dalton, no, like, that's my old material. Um, I scared the living doodoos out of her. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, to to kind of that's a long winded way of saying I don't really know, but I'm okay with it. I feel like I don't hate it as much as Ben maybe does. To be honest, I love it. And I love it partly because this is the dead. books. Well, no, no, like, let's, let's. James that, Bond's that, that, just like me. That's a fair point, too, because, no, no, I, I got to say, often before I had children, I'd hear people say, like, oh, you know, now that I have children, I understand this movie more, this scene more. And it actually does make total sense. You know, if you do have a kid, something's like A Quiet Place, Um you know, Rocky and I on the Oz Network, we've now covered two, uh, both of the Quiet Place movies. And I've told them with both of them, like, I wouldn't have responded to this scene the same way if I didn't have children. I wouldn't have felt the same terror of don't make a noise if I didn't have such loud children. I mean, there's a lot of things that do connect it. Do you like that film just because you want a quiet place? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Wish my kids could pull this off. Uh, but That's my dream. But it, I, I think that, that, will, that does add a little bit of a different perspective. But I think it, it's also... It's for this character. Like this is that Casino Royale to You Only Live Twice story arc that is very subtle what Ian Fleming wrote, but is they kind of play it a little bit differently here. In the books, we have exactly what we have in these movies. He's an orphan. He has nobody. That's why he can move around from woman to woman. That's why he, you know, uh, doesn't really have loyalty to anybody. They bring that up several times. That's why I'm so glad that I actually did rewatch all these Craig movies before this third viewing. So I could see them back to back, see everything ties together because there are little moments here or there they throw in. The, the way that it plays out now, 
watching this series as a whole where Vesper says, oh, the line about, you know, uh, you being an orphan, I'm going to say the same for you. And a lot of the times where Bond just doesn't want to bring up his parents in Skyfall, it felt awkward before, but it makes sense now. This is a guy who's had no family. So when he dies, I think the only way that this does work where he sacrifices himself is if he has a kid, because we've seen Bond move on from one. We saw him move on from Vesper. Whatever the relationship is between Bond and Madeline, I don't buy that it is something that he can never move on from because we saw him move on already. But you introduce a kid in there and this whole idea of I will never be able to see this child or be able to touch this child, that gives a reason why he would die. Because I misinterpreted this movie the first two times. The first two times I watched it, I was watching it as, well, now that he had to reopen the doors again, he doesn't have time to get off the island. And I watched rewatched this third time and I realized, no, it's that Bond realizes Okay, there's no point in living if you can't feel alive. Uh, okay. But uh, but that that's the reason why he, it's okay for him to sacrifice himself. If it had just been Madeline, I don't think it makes sense the same way. So the kid 100% needs to be in this movie for the movie to end the way it does. And also, it's a nice welcome surprise, and they don't play it the way they should. Like, in the books, it's different. It's sort of the tragic ending where you realize he has a child out there, but he's never even going to know about it. He will live his entire life and never know that this happened. This is, well, he knows about it. It feels like the way that Fleming, if Fleming had wanted to end his book series, which I think I mentioned in our spoiler-free uh, one, the, the, the ending of this movie is, take it for what you will, but at some point Fleming was going to say, I'm ending this series, and this is kind of the way I feel like he would have ended it. He knows about the child. You know, That's kind of the happy ending that, that uh, Bond's going to have in the series. And the girl does a good job for a four-year-old kid. I'm more Yeah, well, yeah, the scene with the apple, like, this is the most four-year-old thing I've ever seen. I've done this so many times where you're like, oh, this is the way a kid's going to respond. Like, you give a kid a present at Christmas and they want to play with the box, you know? He cuts the apple and his reaction to her is so perfect where she starts eating the peel and he's like, all right, didn't see that coming. <laughs> and I'll buy you an ice cream. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I'm more appreciating this the more I watch the movie. And reading the books, it definitely does give you a different perspective. And seeing how they flip it around, I think, is just interesting. So I really have no problem with this at all. And who do you like better, Casper uh, or Mathilde? <laughs> I mean, she's she's much quieter. I'll say that. <laughs> um, but she, and doo-doo. <laughs> oh, I, I just don't Madeline. Um, oh, I have yeah. to come back to Madeline. I'll let you go. You, no, you, no you, you, you're you on. You keep no, going. No, yeah, you've been waiting to talk about Daddy Bond. Go for it. Um, oh, Daddy. Um, um, I I think I ranked Madeline fair. I think I ranked her like 12 or 13th, and I think that surprised you both. And I think you know, we were both like, this is going to be unfair because we're going to see her in no time to die. But yeah, she, she went up for me. I think I found her more attractive in this movie. I don't know why, but, um, <laughs> have much blue as a lesbian room for a while. So maybe I'm appreciating with the clothes on more, but, um, yeah, well, Hey, true. Um, but there was just something about it that like, you know, I would have been fine with Spectre ending and never seeing her again, or like that was the end of Craig. It kind of makes sense. But I was adamant that she was going to die. And I was adamant at the end that that was the twist, that she was going to die. Um, so, the, and like the thing that kind of also like, we got basically all the scenes 
from the trailer out of the way with by the time they meet to see Blofeld. So I'm thinking, like, okay, yeah. well, she's she's cannon fodder right now. That. Yeah, like she's she's dead. She dead. Um, <laughs> but like I like like I think Leia Seydoux was great in this film. Like just she she played like she's less of a damsel in distress in this movie. Not that she's like a badass, but you kind of feel like she's got more of a story in this movie. Where I think we complained she kind of turned into a bit of a damsel in distress in the last movie. Um, whereas here you feel she was a bit more independent, a bit more on her own. Um, and like the opening stuff, like the train, like actually like it was, it was really weird. So when she got on the train and she kind of, she touches her stomach and the first time I watched yeah. it, I'm like, is she pregnant? I'm like, no, they wouldn't do that. Um, but then like the second one, I'm like, is that what it's meant to be? So, um, I'm all on board with Madeline and I think it's great. I, I, I'm actually pleasantly, not pleasantly. I'm very surprised that you two are almost accepting, especially like I thought like, Noah, you're very much anti-Spectre, like, oh, the brother thing, which they, I love the throwaway line they give in this movie. Like, luckily you're not blood-related, so, like, it's kind of like, okay, so there you go, that's sorted. Um, to me, this is worse than the brother. Like, I just, I'm like, really, really? We've gotten to this point now where Bond is a dad, and, like, the thing that annoys me with it, this little girl is annoying. She's annoying. She is just, <laughs> she's shit. She's a pain in the ass. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. You clearly have never been around a child. <laughs> I'm not allowed to by the state of law in most countries. But like, even like, got bitten by a mosquito. Do mosquitoes have friends? Like that scene when Madeline snaps at her. I'm like, oh yes, go Madeline, snap at this little shit. Um, and like put the slinky down. I want Ace Ventura. Everyone loves the slinky. Gotta love the slinky. But like. I, I, I disagree with you completely, Colin, when you're saying about like it fit like I think I think the problem I have with this reveal is at no point like Bond literally is so uncomfortable around this child at any point. I wanna see a scene But I no, I wanna see a scene where it clicks in his head where he's like, Oh my god, I'm a We father. get it. I don't we think get we do it. We literally have that. I don't when, think when he's introducing, yeah, he's introducing Nomi. He goes, this is Madeline and uh, Matilda. But that's me, but that's and he kind of like, he can't even get the words out. He, nah. You basically see a mouth by family. But, that but is that's exactly a, what you're talking about. I, but I disagree completely because that to me goes into my point where he looks so awkward because he's even like, oh, like, what is this thing? It's a, it's a child. And like, literally the apple peeling scene is like, that to me could be one of the worst scenes I've ever seen in Bond. I don't want to see domestic oh, no. dad Bond feeding a child an apple. That Hashtag not my Bond. Like, that, <laughs> that is just, I, I hated that scene. I'm like, no, I don't want to see domesticated Bond eating an apple. Like, no, that's dumb. I, of all I things for it. Ben to get upset with in the movie, it's the apple. <laughs> But like, but like, even coming from the guy that was defending the theme park from the Living Daylights, yeah, yeah. 100%, 100%. And Living Daylights went up to like number five on my list because that got even better for me. I like, and I disagree with the whole notion of him sacrificing himself with the kid because I, when we get to the recap, I will have lots of plot holes around the fact that like he does, like, there is a, a completely feasible ending for him not to die and still be able to not touch these people. And it might I be think, better. I think, and again, not to take away because I'm thinking I'm more accepting of him dying. I think the kid can be completely done away with, just have, still be accepting of this whole scene with Madeline. I love you. I love you. Because then it's just basically Tracy and Bond. It's just the reverse of Honor Majesty's Secret Service. You don't need to have a kid involved. You can still have him being in love with her and sacrifice. Like, 
I, but this that's, kid, a, that's something that you can continue on a franchise I, with. If they're intent but, on ending it, this is the only but, way you can end it. Yes, but my problem as well with this kid is it is literally introduced at, what, halfway through the movie. You spend 80% of the runtime with this kid in it not thinking it's his child. By the time it's revealed, he's kind of like, oh, yeah, I kind of knew. Oh, whatever. I love you. Bomb. Bye. I, I don't I don't buy any of it. I don't like it. I don't. Hashtag not She's my bond. Bond of the father. years too like young it. for Ben. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> she's too old for me. She's, she's way too old for me. Romantic. Uh, you know, I was indifferent, but now I think I defend it more after what I heard Ben Because Ben, ben, <laughs> ben gets angry. Now nah, Ben's so shit that I, 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 I love it. I want to touch on Madeline really quick. Um, oh, me too. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> which version? are we? Because I was going to talk about the pre-title scene. <laughs> oh, she's annoying as a little. Actually, no, the mother's more oh. annoying. Like, fuck that mother. She's like, oh, oh get me a drink. Shut up. <laughs> uh, first, I'll just say, before I get to the pre-title scene, uh, I actually do think that I'm, if, if there's one opinion that has changed the most since my first viewing of this has been Madeline. Because I think the first time we recorded, I'm like, yeah, you know, she's good. You know, I don't know if I like this better than Spectre. Uh, watching these two movies back to back, I mean, pretty much every every time I watch Spectre, everything about that movie goes down for me more. So I would, I think I ranked her like number eleven or something like that uh, on our Bond girls, and I probably would have said she's a fifteen or something around that after watching Spectre. This movie, each time I see this movie, I appreciate her performance more and more, and her role in the movie more and more because it feels like even though it's the same character, because we have that five year jump thing, and because she's basically absent for an hour of this movie. It almost feels like we are getting a fresh Bond girl and we're getting a new character. So it doesn't feel as much like we're getting the same one all over again. So I'm probably where Spectre would have sold me less on her rewatching it. Rewatching this movie sells me more on her. So she may just end up in the exact same spot again. Who knows? But the pre-title scene, Ben, I mentioned something to you about a week ago when we were doing another recording uh, where you were debating about whether you were going to see all the Daniel Craig movies before watching you're going to rewatch them all before watching this or if you can do it after and i said i'd recommend doing it after because there are ways that this movie ties together that you don't quite expect that once you see the movie you're gonna be like oh i want to go back and see it and for think, me that's i think the i pre- know what you're talking about yeah well the pre this pre-title scene yeah because it's the, the bleach and the gun right like yeah that yeah, yeah yeah when we get the gun scene inspector she mentions uh you know Oh, when I was a child, uh, my, some people came to kill my father. You know, they didn't realize I was upstairs playing, and then I basically shot them. So that scene, it's weird because it doesn't work as a pre-title scene in this movie. It's not relevant. Even the whole idea about "oh, this is my secret" is completely absurd because I didn't get we already. That. Well, we already had the scene inspector where she doesn't make a big deal out of this, Why and, and so what secret? is her? Well, why? And there is no secret. She already told him the story. She just didn't say it was a guy in a mask. Like, is the secret, the secret that you wore was a her mask? pregnancy? I thought the secret. The second time around, I'm like, is she referring to the secret as her pregnancy? But, but then, it's, but it's not because she writes. It's, it's in French, yeah. but she writes "masked man." Yeah, yeah. yeah so it, they they ruined their own movie where they had a perfectly good way to, to write the secret. But this whole connection to Madeline doesn't work at all. But being able to see that scene from Spectre re-watching it over again you're like oh this is what she was talking about it gives you a different take on madeline as opposed to just the way the scene played the first time where she's like yes i know how to use a gun this is why uh, also placement for that pre-title scene i don't see any reason why we couldn't have just had like i said the faceless saffin 
in the therapy scene with Madeline. You see a guy who takes a hair, so you connect the dots for later on. You shoot him from behind, and then he reveals the mask. And you have that fear, oh, this guy is still out there. I don't know why he did any of this. You show the flashback then of him in the mask. Just insert that scene as a flashback later in the movie, and then start it. If they had just done that as a pre-title scene, it is probably a bottom, maybe not bottom five, but bottom 10 pre-title scene. But I don't think it needs to be the pre-title scene, but I do think it is so not necessarily important and necessary, but it's so interesting to be able to have seen that scene now, knowing that she told that story, because it does change your perspective of Madeline. I'd agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we've basically talked to all the characters and we're coming to an end, but yeah, I think the pre-title is a good one. This is almost the end. Uh, We're not at the end. Uh, Trust me. Uh, (laughs) I just wanted to touch on one thing on the pre-title thing, just while you're on the topic. I'm going to bring up the pre-title. Trust me. (laughs) (laughs) Let him host, Ben. (laughs) This is why he always, every single time we record, no, it's your turn to host. Oh, I'm not hosting. He's finally doing his job right. The amount of shit I get for not wanting to host. I never <laughs> it in. Gonna cover myself up and shut up. It's all right. <laughs> I liked it six weeks ago when it was just me. <laughs> Having uh, a civilized conversation without Ben. <laughs> this is what we were talking about. Is this what this episode's called now? Shut up, Ben. <laughs> well, let's talk about the pre-title sequence. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, like... I feel like we saved the plot for the recap, but let's just sort of end out by just talking about some of uh, the pre-titles and the climax and then any other scene you want to bring up. Um, And then we can also touch on the title sequence after too, but uh, the pre-titles then, yeah, I mean, I agree that you either can go back uh, and do a flashback because flashbacks are so unique now in this series. Uh, I'm almost thinking you could drop it. I, I'm I'm okay with not seeing it. Um, it didn't add too much for me. Uh, but the the other thing is the pre-title sequence is great. Uh, but I almost think either end it at the flashback, and yeah, then we say oh bottom five, bottom ten, but it kind of logically ends, or just don't have that and just have the rest of it because the modern day stuff or the five years ago stuff is so good. Some of the best stunts that we've ever had in Craig, uh, some of the best uh, uh, stunts maybe ever, like this Aston Martin stuff is amazing. I love the stuff with the sheep and the, the hmm. guns uh, and sort of the Vespa stuff and the whole urgency of it. It was such a great way to kick off this film. Um, you really needed that exciting action stuff at the beginning because then it kind of goes down a little bit. Uh, so oh, it's going to be up there for the pre-title sequence, I think. Uh, but, yeah, I will agree. It's a bit disjointed with the flashback and then going into something at like a 20-minute pre-title sequence. Um, and then just quickly on the climax, uh, the... I don't love the base. I love the Fleming stuff. I just feel like there was such a wasted opportunity to, to the point where I'm almost like do it in a different film. Cause I wanted this bond going through traps with all these plants everywhere and doing like an escape Dr. No sort of thing. We've really play into this garden of death thing, but it was kind of like, eh, this is my garden. Some of them are plants. And then it, 
then when they were inside, it was barely the garden of death. Uh, and I agree with Ben. I thought there was going to be a big Roger Moore, Sean Connery army battle, which would have been such a great callback and such a great climax to the Craig era. Um, so yeah, obviously the climax will go down as one of the most memorable for obvious reasons. Uh, but not the best, I think, and not the best base, but it was nice to have a base, I guess. Um, but yeah, the pre-title, as we've sort of touched on, Climax, and if there's any other memorable scene that we didn't bring up that you want to briefly mention too? The uh, the pre-title, it, like, oh, disjointed is time. the perfect one. Breakfast! What do we have? <laughs> oh, banana chocolate chip pancakes. All right. Uh, Hi, Jamie. Hi. Oh, yeah. Hi, Jamie. Uh, you will hear her on our other episode. I know, I'm looking uh, forward to get, listening to Jamie's reaction. I heard the ending where she said she liked the movie or something. So Yeah, I, yeah. yeah she liked the movie. She I, liked actually, I will spoil this. She uh, she says at one point in it, might this be my favorite James Bond movie of all time? Uh, ooh, which ooh. when we actually finish we got our got naked rewatch. Bond. We got fully naked <laughs> Bond. That's why. <laughs> yeah, she definitely responded. Seen that in IMAX. That got a reaction out of her. Uh, she's never seen a dong that big. Uh, <laughs> no one has never seen a dong that big. <laughs> but uh yeah the disjointed is what what ruins it because it shouldn't be i want to re-edit certain things of this movie to kind of see my theories like i want to re-edit this where we don't see Safin's face and we do put the the flashback scene later in the movie and we can watch this just as a pre-title scene with vesper's grave and all that because i think it would work 100 percent and if you had had that, I think this is a top five pre-title scene, but having the two scenes, it does take a lot away from it because you don't quite know, oh, where is this starting? When is I was starting to think for a while, are we even going to get the title scenes? Is this going to be like the gun barrel? We're going to get the title scenes at the end of the movie. The theme song's not going to be heard till the end of the movie. Yeah. Uh, but it's, uh, it, it's, it's too much going on. But what we get for the action, I'm going to say the Daniel Craig movies, like it's hard to surpass them as far as action goes none of the other Craig movies come close to the action we get in this movie. Like that, that pre-title scene alone is the greatest action. I think I've seen outside of maybe John wick. If we're talking modern movies, probably the single greatest action I have seen filmed in such a long time. Uh, the, the motorcycle going up, you know, the, the uh, golden eye kind of off the bridge bungee thing. Uh, yeah. Even just the explosion. That was one of the things that, we talked about off air, Noah, was when that explosion comes on screen, you're just like, what just happened? Like, just the way it's filmed is extraordinary. Uh, now, are we going to talk about the theme song later on in the title scene, or we just want to group that yeah, in maybe now? Maybe we'll end with that. Oh, do we have to? Uh, <laughs> but, we uh, end with Colin's story. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll get to that. Yeah, we've, we've I've got, got a story about my viewings as well. Get excited. Uh, but, uh, but, yeah, there's so many... Like there's so many great sequences in this movie. Like the the forest scene is phenomenal. Like I can't wait to recap. I, I started when I was watching last night, thinking, "Oh, we got to talk about this tomorrow." I'm like, "No, no, no, let's save that for the recap." There's gonna be so many great things that we can save for the recap. Uh, the climax. So I I do agree with the Garden of Death. It's a cool visual for what we get if they hadn't been basically teasing this is the garden of death because in the books is something completely different it is literally a giant garden where you know oh if you touch and it doesn't factor into this movie they introduce it like it's going to be part of the plot and it never actually comes up it, it the closest we get is she's touching a flower but even then it's the same flower that we basically said if you ingest this you know something bad your heart could stop so her touching it like why is that such a tense moment oh no don't touch the flower that we already said touching is not going to harm you uh, so it's a bit different, but the visual we get 
of the courtyard with the water draining and the, the final showdown between Bond and uh, Safin. That looks great. Uh, I, I do think that I'm higher on this environment, the villain layer, than you are, Noah, just because when I'm watching this, all I'm thinking about is I can't wait to play this in a GoldenEye style video game. Like that's sort of the benchmark for, is this a good environment? Is this a good set for Final One? Do, do I want to explore this? Do I want to be, you know, turning on the power in the video game? Do I want to be climbing up the spiral staircase and uh, going in the, the submarine pen and all that? Like, I think there's so many interesting things in this environment that I would probably say it's one of my favorite environments we've gotten. Had it not been that the expectation is there, we're going to be getting, because, and nothing Ian Fleming wrote, Dr. No, his Crab Key Island probably close just because it's sort of set up as a gauntlet with all the booby traps and everything, but nothing Ian Fleming wrote came as close as to the visual you get of uh, Shatterhand's garden of death and that, that whole uh, layer that he has. So that's really the only disappointment. Otherwise I love everything about this. And the, the climax, the action's fantastic. Like every moment we get with the, the kills and yeah, we don't get the army, but also I'm, I'm going to defend that saying that not, not having the army is disappointing because they almost say, Oh, they're on their way. But we also could never have had the ending we have. So if they were determined, this is how we want to end the movie, which I think was the right call for this series, you couldn't have had an army there because then it's just, oh, it's a little too good. No, no, I'll be the one to stay behind. You know, you guys go off. It's okay. Uh, and, and we do have an army on Safin's side. Like we, every time I watch this movie, I'm like, I can't believe how many guys Bond has to kill to get through this. So that's kind of Bond's gauntlet in this movie is having to go through everybody. That spiral staircase is... I felt like that as a video game because even like that moment where you've got like bond this is m you need to get to this point like that's like a video game you'd start a mission and you hear like the the overdub of like bond this is m this is what you've got to do um just i'll start on the the um finale just while i i i think i've always been critical of the craig sort of finales i think the problem with the craig era is their teasing of great potential layers and locations that they just don't use to their full potential um, you know, quantum. I guess the hotel could have been cool if they did something different with it. Um, obviously, I don't play the hotel on a golden eye style game. Yeah, <laughs> Sky, Skyfall, like Silver's Island, should have had more on it. That should have been the finale, like the end of it. Um, Spectre, obviously, the the base in the middle of the desert, and here. But like, I'm with I. This to me is the best climax of any craig i love i love this setting i love it like i just i want to go to this island it's cool yeah there's probably more potential you could do with it but i just love it i love the visuals and the movie the the, the visuals of this movie are fantastic the editing of this movie is fantastic if this doesn't get nominated for an oscar for editing like the action needs help with the editing when you allow the action to happen naturally you don't have fast cuts that you just don't know what the fuck is happening this allows it to happen naturally and that's why those stunts look so good um, and that's like visually, one shot, the staircase thing that goes yeah. on forever. I mean, we had like 800 shots in the same time frame in Quantum of Solace in that opening. And I <laughs> like the car chase, but there's too much going on there. But like the visuals in that finale, like just that I t- mentioned before about the Hamash, the spy who loved me, but I love those white rods and like, like there's some plot holes around that. Like why are these people standing in acid water and they're fine, but then someone falls in and they burn and then they all run away. I don't get that. But like visually it looks fantastic. And the, that garden, like I have a thing for gardens and I just love the, the, the floor thing and the water. And that's where I love creepy Saffin in his little garden with the kids and shit. Like it's great. Um, I love the Norway stuff. Yeah. Let's not spoil it now, but I love the fog and the Norway. It's great. I love the Norway. Um, pre-titles. <laughs> 
Yeah, I like World is Enough is my number one pre-title, and you, we've constantly talked about how the plan was meant to be the Bilbao jump out the window, and would have worked. Probably wouldn't be my number one if that was the pre-title, but it's still that would have worked. Yeah, that you can argue that's a bit convoluted, but they, the scenes gel together in the world is not enough. It doesn't feel messy. It kind of works. This feels weird. I was with you, Colin. I thought, are we getting a title sequence? Like, because, like, the way, the fact that this whole Italy thing went on for so long, I'm going, we're like 20 minutes in. This doesn't feel like the world is not enough. Like, I legitimately was worried we weren't getting a pre-title, like a title sequence. I'm like, what, 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 what? Um, like, did Billy Eilish piss someone off or something? Like, what's going on? Did but you like, also say Italy? It's Italy, isn't it, the opening sequence? Something's Greece. The Acropolis, they even say? But they're Italian. They're speaking Italian. But but they said she's buried at the Acropolis. Yeah, but it's 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 Italy because I mentioned somewhere at a point and it was filmed in Italy. And no, it's, it is Italy because it is said at some point that it, I know what you're saying. They, like, they I move the Acropolis, to Italy. <laughs> but like, it's they don't pure, like it is Italy. Like, but I know what you're saying because I, I get I get it. We, we, yeah, no, we won't because I'm right. All right. Like, um, <laughs> here we go. Get off my lawn. Um, but like. I the 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 flashback is better on a first viewing. Like I was like like I was like oh this is cool like the opening scene like, this is interesting and like I I was kind of I wasn't expecting this whole saffron and the ice thing from the trailer being the opening sequence shooting at Madeline. I thought that was Bond under the water and I'm like oh this is this is interesting. The mother's a pain in the ass. I'm glad she's dead. But um like I like badass little Madeline with the gun and that like that's kind of cool. Although again plot holes like what does Saffin do with Madeline once she's out of the water? And like, how does that, like, I don't get it, but sure. Recap talk. Um, but yeah, I'm with the stunts are fantastic. I love that editing when Bond's like blown up and then you've got the ringing in the ear. So even as an audience, we're kind of like, Oh, like what's going on? Another bit I cried at when he's at the grave. I miss you. Like, Oh, like oh. I, I don't buy into the whole Vespa thing as much as you guys, but that cut me. I'm like, Oh, Vespa. Um, but one thing that none of us has brought up, and I want to bring this up, gun barrel. Not uh, my favorite gun barrel. If we're ranking <laughs> the gun barrels, like the universal weird. thing was weird. Like the, the universal thing was weird. And no blood. Like, yeah. can you two not sit here and say you would rather a bullet going in a gun barrel that, again, doesn't make sense, but I like it, versus no blood. I don't get the I, no I blood. I do prefer this over Die Another Day. Um, really? God. Yeah. For that, I'm playing uh, this again. <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> I will say the gun barrel, the, the gun barrel, I wasn't as high on it, but seeing that in 3D, even just looking down the barrel of a gun, like uh, that's one of the reasons I was glad I saw this in 3D. It was even just for those few seconds of the gun barrel. It adds a lot for that one. I've seen a defense of like, well, it's foreshadowing because Bond dies and that's the gunman getting Bond for the first ever. Eh, just give us a proper, Craig never had a proper Bond gun barrel. Like just, Give him well, one for a while. Except for the arty farty text. But uh, to me, oh. when we rank the gun barrels, like Spectre will rank highly just because it's more of that excitement <laughs> and I think it's done well. But like, yeah, it's a good point you make. That he, but like, also, like, I didn't, like, the one thing I didn't really like about the finale was like it was that trailer shot, which we thought was going to be the gun barrel. Kind of like they kind of have an in movie yeah. gun barrel. I was like, eh. It's like, the, like it's like the opening of Casino Royale. They're like, oh, we're going to throw this in here. 
it's kind of an homage to the gun yeah. barrel. <laughs> That's sad that we have to do an homage to the gun barrel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll, let's just quickly talk about uh, the titles and the uh, song, and then we'll get into our sort of closing things. Um, I get what you're saying, Ben, about the lyrics. Uh, I get it, but it still doesn't do it for me. I just, both of this and Writings on the Wall is just that absolute blue balls where the Bond, you want to go, I'm not a huge Tomorrow Never Dies song fan, but that goes for it in the chorus. And you want this, because uh, I've fallen for blah, blah, blah. That's when you want to go big with the orchestra and, uh, I get what you're saying with the, the lyrics, but even then I went back and examined the lyrics as we used to do. I'm like, well, it's almost like talking about what we thought the plot was about and not actually what the plot was like, almost like a, a, a misdirection. Um, I will say works great in the score, like in the house and everything. I thought the score with the Billy Eilish song was great. Just do an instrumental of it. Um, title sequence. This is where I'm saying I'm glad I saw it at the cinema because it, it visually it does look good, uh, and on my computer, eh, not as good. So I'm glad I saw it at the cinema, but it's mismatched with the song, and I feel like there's a lot going on uh, in it. I feel like this is the last Jedi factor again, where we don't want to admit that maybe the title sequence is not that great because the Craig ones, for the most part, are really good. Uh, Except for one. Love the different like homages to different uh, films, including Doctor No. But it, it Casino Royale and Writings on the Wild Spectre rank way way ahead for me. I mean, like, Skyfall it was, too. Skyfall maybe around on par for me with this one. It was okay, but a lot going on, and then it was sort of twist. And did we need the flashbacks again? Did we have that last film? With uh, the lyric, like that was that cheesy writings yeah, on the wall thing where, we, we where she's saying like time. the faces and it's like it's literally what happened in the writings on the wall. Yeah. We had that last time. It's cardboard uh, cut out of Roger Moore's experience. This <laughs> <laughs> was from my past. <laughs> Somersault. <laughs> uh, <laughs> on a Luger. I, I didn't hate it at all, but it, I, coming off Spectre, like a lot going on and almost two two different title sequences but i did like the blue though that looked cool um but yeah mismatch between the title and the song so i'm still low on the song unfortunately yeah and i can't remember if we mentioned this in our spoiler free episode but i was saying one of my problems with the title sequence is that it feels like it's multiple title sequences kind of pasted together you have you know, this sort of classic animation style like Casino Royale, and then they transition into something that looks like it's got... So it's almost like they're going through, and even just the graphic style, the animation of the title sequence, it's like they're going through, let's give you a little bit of the uh, the, the Casino Royale title sequence. Now let's give you a little bit of the, the Skyfall. Let's forget Quantum. Uh, let's Not give you saying. a little bit of <laughs> Spectre, yeah. Uh, so watching it, if you were to watch it without the audio too, and you're just trying to analyze, oh, what is this whole title sequence? It's it's too many different things happening. And yeah, all Bond title sequences are supposed to be too many different things happening, but they at least look like one person put this together. This looks like you had three different people putting together three different title sequences, and they said, let's edit together our favorite bits in each. So, uh, so it's not really something that works as a title sequence. And then the song, it, it like all Bond songs, it does work better with the titles. That's the whole point of us doing the Sunshine Lollipops and Rainbows. But 
the this song it never takes off and it needs to take off and it's what's so sad about this is that if you listen to the no time to die podcast they did in the episode where they're talking about the music and they're talking about the song you have an interview with billy eilish saying like yeah we were in the studio we were recording the song and we got to a point where like yeah we think that this we just need like a really big moment at the end of the song and then we're like no you know what this song doesn't need that let's leave it as is. it's more effective they even had that moment they're like it needs to and i don't think there's anybody even people who defend the song i don't think there's anybody out there who isn't going to agree if you had gone out on a big moment of this if, if the song had built towards something it's not even a moment of you need to have like the big oh like you don't need <laughs> these overdue vocals that's not what this is but the song builds to nothing. It starts and you're like the first half of the song, like, okay, I'm into this. I'm, I, I want to see where this goes, but it never goes anywhere. So it's, it's like an anticlimactic song. It, it's whereas the credits are like, we just took the bits and pieces, it's almost like this song. They're like, we're going to take the first two thirds of the song as a tease. And then we're never going to get you the last 60 seconds of it. That's always been my problem with the song that it just ends. It feels like it ends suddenly. And then you just get that. Not like, Oh fuck. It's over. Um, one thing that I didn't notice the first time or what, like the first, as soon as you start seeing the people, and I kind of like that transition where you got the guys crawling down the skyscraper, but, um, I'm like, yeah. did they didn't show Billie Eilish's name? I'm like, what? Like, I know there was one bomb movie where they didn't, but then I second time, I'm like, okay, they did the credits. I don't know if it was just cause there was more names. The, the names seem to be faster than usual. I don't know if it's just cause I had to fit more they, in. I think it's a shorter song. Like compared right. to writings on the wall and stuff, but they do show her name in the credits. They they do. No, I noticed that on the second time. The first time I like obviously just yeah. But um, just on the titles, yeah. I to me it is like just a a, a mishmash of let's show a bit of majesties, let's show a bit of Doctor No. Like the dots was cool, and then like even there was like the statue like Golden Eye, and like it was kind of like okay, this is cool. Bit of um, I, yeah, I think I literally said in my um initial reactions in the car. I think I like I basically said what you said, Noah. I said I'd put this on par with Skyfall. I'm like Casino Royale and Spectre are better credits. This is a round of. I'm like I don't know what I would rank above Skyfall or this. I didn't dislike it, but like it started off like the way it started. Like wow, this is cool. But then that's when it started like getting a bit weird. I'm like okay, where are they going? Okay, well what's going on? Well Jesus Christ, like faces. Okay, cool. All right. Yep. Um. The song has improved for me. I, I'm not even going to be ashamed to admit it. I actually listened to this a couple of times this week because I hadn't listened to it in a while. Um, and I'm just, I'm just glad that we have a lyrically like it. It just, it, and it just, it was just this weird connection that as soon as this started, it like I, I don't know if there's a a more perfect song in the Bond franchise that fits what we just saw in front of our eyes from the pre-titles. That is like wow, that was effective. Um, and like that's where like I loved it and. I it's it's not going to be a top ten song like when we do our Redux one, but it has gone up for me. Like I just I I'm appreciating this song more, um and but there's still problems with it. But yeah, it's it it was it was odd. It, it it's good, but it's not good. It's kind of like okay, cool. Um, there it was. This is coming from the guy that uh, defended Sigmund Freud, analyzed this as being connected yeah. to the movie. <laughs> uh, Absolutely. Uh, now that would fit this movie. The whole therapy thing. Hey, yeah. <laughs> bring it if you want to re-edit it, Colin. There's you did the bit, sunshines and re- re-edit this an, entire other day. <laughs> yeah, that would be an interesting experiment. Let's put different songs into different titles. See how it works. Uh, so we will talk about just wrapping it up and our kind of final thoughts. But before we get into that, Colin, two things. Uh, <laughs> 
Firstly, you're the only one, I think, who you can watch it in 3D, which is such a weird thing that this was released in 3D. So, A, I want to know how was your 3D no time to die experience? And then B, Colin teased us about a week ago <laughs> saying, <laughs> guys, I went to watch No Time to Die and I lasted 10 minutes. Uh, and that's all we Not heard even. about. So, uh, so the second question is what the hell happened? So, so the 3D, I, I don't, I don't, the right movie 3D works. Uh, movies typically that film in 3D can look great. Like the Life of Pi, Gravity, the Planet of the Apes movies, especially like those really use 3D well, but we actually had a 3D TV. Uh, it's, it's sitting behind me right now because it needs uh, to be repaired, but, uh, but I, I think the 3D works better on a TV screen than it does in the theater. And the theater sometimes just like, uh, it's muddled doesn't add much to the movie, particularly movies that are converted to 3D. I wasn't like, oh, I can't wait to see this movie in 3D because it almost feels weird to watch a Bond movie in 3D, uh, especially knowing that this was just converted. It wasn't like Planet of the Apes or Life of Pi where they filmed it for this. Uh, I have to say, of all movies that have been converted to 3D, this is the best I've ever seen. Like, I would, for at least the first, everything up until the, the title sequence ends, Everything, it's almost like they, they said, we're going to convert this to 3D, but let's film it in a way where it works. So there's a lot of shots where like, whoa, this actually looks better in 3D than it does in 2D. Uh, I still, if I have to pick, I would say see this in IMAX uh, over the 3D. But I mean, I was very surprised at how good the 3D worked in this movie, considering it's just a typical James Bond movie. Uh, so this, here's the story. A couple of <laughs> weeks ago, we... We had a babysitter for the night. So like, let's go see a movie. Uh, we're debating what we're going to see. Okay, there's there's no time to die. There's Dune. There's Last Night in Soho. Really what it came down to is the running time of the movie uh, and what time we could be there. So we're like, oh, you know, based on when we're going to get there and the fact that we only have a babysitter till 10 o'clock, let's go see Last Night in Soho. So we go there, we get our tickets. They're like, go all the way down in this last theater on the right. So we go and we're like, okay, um, there's two doors here. One's closed, one's open. Like, obviously, it's the open one. They didn't, for whatever reason, they don't even have the titles above the theaters or the posters or anything. It's just blank. They just tell you where to go. So we go in there, and they're like, the cleaning crew's like, oh, you're going to have to come back. We're so clean. We're like, well, that's really weird. They just told us to come here. But it's the only open door. Obviously, this is more supposed to see. So the movie's supposed to start at 7.20. It's 7.30, and we're like, nothing's even come on screen yet. Go, Jamie goes out, and she tells them, we're seeing Last Night in Soho over there, and nothing started yet they're like oh yeah you know the, it takes a while for the trailers to finish like, no you don't understand nothing has started the screen's completely blank and they're like okay that's weird so we're waiting and now it's like 20 minutes after the movie's supposed to start and i even asked her are you sure we're in the right theater like yeah they just told me again last one on the right uh so the trailers start now it's like eight o'clock we're like last night so it was a two-hour movie we're, we're basically just gonna have a time to rush out of here when the credits roll and all of a sudden I hear, dun, dun, and I'm like, this is no time to die. It's not last night in Soho. And, and then I, I didn't even say that Jamie's like just sitting. I, normally I'd be like, come on, let's go get our money back. But I'm, I'm just sitting there. And she's like, well, I don't know. What are we supposed to do? I'm like, I don't know. Let me think. And I'm watching. I'm watching the movie. I'm like, I'm debating my head. I want to stay for this. Please let me stay. I'm like, how am I going to visit? Then I'm like, no, it's eight o'clock now. It, we we it's a three-hour movie we're not even gonna have a babysitter they're gonna leave the kids alone for an hour what are we gonna do so i'm like well we gotta go get our money back so we go there and we're at this point i'm thinking well jamie was wrong they didn't say last door on the right so we walk out of the theater and then several other people come out after us i'm like what happened they told me this was last night in soho 
So we go, <laughs> end of the story, we go, we tell them like, look, we'd like to stay for the movie, but it's, you know, we only have a baby for so, so long. So they, they're like, okay, we'll give you a, you know, a voucher. You can come back for it. Long story short, I walked out of uh, No Time to Die two minutes into the movie, got a free voucher, and used that free voucher last night to go back to watch No Time to Die. Still have not, still have not seen last, have not even seen last night in Soho yet. <laughs> uh, that's funny because when I went to uh, see it uh, on my ticket, it had a, a four on it. There was no one anywhere, uh, so I showed my ticket. I, I don't speak great Korean. Went into a completely empty cinema. Cinema four. I'm thinking cinema four. This is the premiere night. Completely <laughs> empty. Lights are on. I'm. I'm. Do I sit down? This doesn't feel <laughs> right. And no. Why is no one around? It's starting in ten minutes. Uh, uh, is it just no Koreans are going to see this film? Uh, I'm like, no. This is not right. I'm like looking around, ducking my head out into the corridor, and I had walked down this long corridor, and like no one's here. Uh, and then I went back and I had to like use my broken whatever Korean and she's like, no, pointing, saying in Korean, like it's on the left and it was in cinema one. And I go in and buy all these people in there. I'm like, oh my God, I nearly freaking missed this movie. The ticket had a four on it. There was no one anymore. Uh, but Ben, I think you, you had also a cinema experience. I got to see it in cinema four, which is a good one where I am because uh, I've been complaining the last few movies I've been seeing at the Glenorchy cinemas it's like they've got the volume down too low. Like, I'm in, like, Cinema 2 or something. I'm like, can they turn this up? Like, I'm at the cinemas. I feel like I can watch this louder on my laptop. Like, so I got to be in the good cinema. So my session's at 11. It's the first session, like, all the three cinemas in Hobart, it's at 11. I could have gone to the state cinema and seen it at 10, but it's a smaller screen and I'm not paying more money at the state cinema. Um, So I'm sitting in there and there's, like, I don't know, there was maybe, like, five or so, but not, not many people. People started to come in and... I see this like little old lady walking. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Doris is coming to see the movie. Good for her. So she sits down. Five minutes later, another little old lady comes in. I'm like, oh, it must be Doris's friend. Sits somewhere completely different. Okay. Ten minutes later, whatever it was, another. And I'm messaging you guys, going like, why are there so many old ladies coming to see this movie? So that was that experience. But then this evening, um, I like the movie started at six, and it's like five fifty nine, and the door's still not open, so somebody's still cleaning it. So there's probably there's more people for the evening one. Again, I'm looking like everyone's old. I'm like, why is so many old people seeing this movie? Like I'm the youngest person there. Eventually, get in. I literally sit in the same seat that I sat in this in the morning, and I sent you both a picture of like how the great upholstery is looking at the Glenorchy Cinemas. Like they're doing a great <laughs> job there. Um, and so I think I messaged you both, and I'm like, oh, there's some some sort of attractive girls just come in sitting sort of near me. She spent the whole movie on her phone. I'm not even watching the movie. There was this guy who came, like, if you can picture, like, comic book guy from The Simpsons, typical geeky, long hair, big dude, right? So I'm like, oh, yeah, he's into Bond. Look at him go. Go for that. So he's sitting a few rows in front of me. He's, you know, watching, and all of a sudden the the title sequence comes on. He gets off and goes to take a look. Okay, fair enough. I remember when Noah and I... Yeah, when Noah and I saw Spectre, I remember, like, half the people went up to Okay. About halfway through the movie, toilet again. Okay, the guy's got a small bladder maybe. We are at the scene basically where Madeline and Nomi are in the boat, right? We are like at the the most crucial part of this movie. 
He gets up and goes to the toilet and misses Bond dying and walks back in. <laughs> like when everybody's going like, cheese to Bond. I would love to have talked to that guy after the movie. I hope he saw it. Like, I hope he was like me and he'd seen it already that day. But like he literally walks out just as Bond's about to die. Could you think of a worse point to walk out of a movie? That's, that's even I, worse I, than... I, that's even worse than Jamie falling asleep three times, three times in a row during Han Solo's death, because this guy did it intentionally. I, I wanted to, like, I legitimately was tempted because he was walking past. I legitimately was thinking, like, I need to say something to this guy. I legitimately was like, like, mate, like, hold on for like five more minutes. Like, I just, I wanted to tell him, but I'm like, fucking, mate, you've, you're digging yourself a hole, buddy. Like, I was busting the first time. I, thought, I was going to piss myself, and I wasn't going to leave that first time. I like to think that this is his third time, and he was just so upset. He's like, I can't watch this again. Like, yeah. Maybe. <laughs> maybe excuse every myself for a few. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, lots of interesting things happening at the cinemas all around the world. Um so let's kind of wrap up. We're going to do our recap episode, as we said. So we, this was all over the shop. We, we, we're going to do a proper start to finish and rankings and everything. But let's wrap up the final thoughts. Like such a relief to finally talk about this damn film. We held <laughs> off for six weeks, five weeks. We waited for you, Ben. Uh, so finally, uh, we got it all off our chest, uh, but plenty of more No Time to Die content coming. But just to summarize, give you final thoughts and then i don't want to rank this movie but just a sort of general like uh idea like at the moment i'm thinking it's maybe uh as i said in the non-spoiler one it's below uh casino and probably skyfall at the moment but it's above quantum inspector for me but overall i couldn't possibly rank it right now um but it's been a joy to talk about this and i have to say like we were way more positive all around the board than mm. I thought. And I want to, A, uh, go and watch it again right now, even though it's very late now. And B, uh, I think it's up to for me just finally getting to talk it through in a proper capacity. Like now I'm thinking, oh, yeah, no time to die. Good film. Uh, so we'll talk more about old Dan Daniel Craig's uh, exit and like legacy in our other episode. But great to finally talk about it. Uh, Good Bond film. Polarizing. It's going to uh, be talked about for a long time, and I'm excited to finally do another recap episode. Um, so, yeah, I was really happy to get to talk this through with you guys and finally get everything six weeks off my chest. Uh, the hype was starting to die down, but it's come back now for me. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm on board for No Time to Die. And finally... The tension, we know how we all feel, and we can move on with our lives. Bring on it, just Elba. Hmm. No, I think that you, it, within the week of this movie coming up for you before I had it, you saw it twice, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we all saw this movie twice. I think I saw it two days in a row. Ben, you saw it two times in a day. Uh, but uh, several things change, I think, the more you watch this movie, and then other things are almost unexpected. The first thing you said, Noah, was you said the plot holes that you noticed the first time around, you definitely even more notice them the second time around. And I completely agree with that, but I think the weirdest thing is that by the time I get to the third time around, even though I'm noticing even more plot holes the third time around, 
like I said earlier, I'm, I'm more okay with it than I thought I would be, you know, yes, there are tons of plot holes, but you're, you're, you're forgiving of it because you really see what this movie went for, which is that we're going to make a nice classic bond movie. We're going to go over the top. We're going to put comedy there. There's going to be gadgets. There's going to be henchmen with cyber cybernetic eyes, you know, but it's not going to be so over the top that you're like, wow, they just jumped the shark there. Uh, and then the things that work in this movie, like whether we agree or disagree on the choice they made in this movie, everything is effective. Uh, with the death scene, you know, like you said, no, even if you don't, you know, agree with the choice that they made to kill James Bond, how they handled that death scene, that's got to go down as one of the most dramatic death scenes I've ever seen, even if you're not tied to this. Grown men may have been crying even if they hated it, just because it's a very effective death scene. And I can't see them pulling off such a memorable end to this. What I think really is important about this movie is that as much as I am all for, let's continue on the franchise. Let's just let the next actor step in. You don't have to even make a big deal about it. You don't have to, you know, make this tie into continuity and say, oh, this is obviously the same guy, even though his race has changed now. Uh, but you just pretend like this is what the Batman movies do now. They said, we're going to stop doing origin stories. We're just going to introduce a Batman. Now we have a Ben Affleck and soon Robert Pattinson where they're already Batman. You don't need to explain everything over again. That's the way that I hope the next Bond movie is. But if they were ever going to go out and just say, let is, let's just end the continuity, had they done, it wouldn't have worked if they killed off Pierce Brosnan because it wouldn't have fit with the style of his movies. But if they had said the 20th is going to be our last one and then we're going to reboot, people wouldn't be as upset about this. So I actually appreciate this even more just saying we have the opportunity to watch a story from beginning to end. We have a proper end to the character. And now next time they can do something completely different. So the things that I was slightly bothered by when I first watched this definitely get easier the more time goes on. And then the things that um, I was sort of on the fence of some of those things I'm loving. So I'm, I'm really curious to see where this will rank for me in a couple of months when we do the final recap, because I'm more positive at the same time. I, I, I find it highly doubtful that this will jump over. I, I mean, this is not going to be over Casino Royale and Skyfall for me. It's going to be the middle Daniel Craig movie where it's going to end up my final rankings. I'm already sort of going back and forth. I didn't think after the first viewing or even second viewing that I might like this over another movie, but now I'm like, yeah, I think I would rank this over it. I completely agree with Noah that I think talking about this has just made it go up and I'm going to sit here and complain about it. I had to wait 12 whole hours to talk about this movie today. Like, you know, was, yeah, well, I couldn't talk to anyone about it. Um, two good things before I forget. Um, this movie's a lie. It's called No Time to Die. You kill three pretty fucking major characters in this movie. There's plenty of time for people to die in this movie. Also, the title doesn't really make sense. But anyway. Um, and I can't remember what else I was going to add to that. It's, yeah. I oh, Actually, that's what I was going to add. I think about it. Every Bond actor's final film, with the exception of George Lazenby, because he only had one, is probably a divisive movie with a bit of batshit craziness to it, if you think about it, you know? Uh, Diamonds are forever. You love it or you hate it. It's a bit batshit crazy. A view to a kill, maybe the most kind of, you know, yeah, but a lot of people hate a view to a kill because of some of the stuff in it. A lot of people love it. License to kill. Most people hate it, but some idiots like me like it. Die another day. Most people hate it. Some idiots like me love it. So it's interesting that we joked about Daniel Craig hasn't had a die another day. Now, this obviously isn't a die another day style film, but there are elements of this. Again, bionic eyes. We've literally got people walking around a room with an eye on a pillow and people are talking to an eye. Like, 
you say if you had said that three months ago that guys we're going to be talking about a movie and in no time to die we're going to be at a birthday party for Blofeld and everybody's wishing him a happy birthday staring into our bionic eye <laughs> you're thinking oh my god this movie is dying another day too <laughs> um so like think about that but yeah like I, I I'm so excited to be able to have you two be able to talk about it um, to hear your thoughts. I'm looking forward to going back now to listening to the spoiler free and your reactions just to hear those at that point. But yeah, like this was just a cinematic experience. We talked so much about the waiting, the two years of waiting for this, that if they ever release this on streaming, I was adamant that I don't care if they say we're releasing this on streaming tomorrow and it'll be another year till it's in the movies. I would have waited a year because this is what you want to experience a bond. And this, I'm saying this now, it's probably the best experience I've had watching a Bond movie on the big screen. And I've seen every Bond movie since The World Is Not Enough. Probably the best one experience I've had. I have not... Skyfall, I left with weird emotions because I was like, oh, that was, you know, what am I feeling? Um, but, like, this, you just, like, you were... You said it, no, it's like a cinematic experience. And I, I, I'm struggling to think of a movie that I've seen in my life that I've felt this way walking out. And I'm kind of feeling that way where like I'm not hating I, I felt like I would be hating the death of James Bond but I'm not rankings yeah I, I watched a video today where literally somebody's ranked this as the fourth best Bond film I don't know if I'd go that far but having said that I had Spectre at three I I would rank this movie and you laugh all you want right now my initial thoughts is that this is above Quantum easily above Skyfall and above Casino Royale for me it's just if I like this more than Spectre and I'm trying to work that out I'm trying to work that out because I love Spectre I fucking love Spectre and I'd be intrigued to think from you two in the recap does this movie make Spectre better I would like to hear that but I've watched Colin shaking his head it makes makes it worse (laughs) but but like yeah I, I, I will I don't know where I'll be ranking this immediately right now but um I mean, we've gone for longer on our recap thoughts here than we've gone on some recaps. And I think our Spectre analysis that we did went for about two hours. So this has only gone for about 50 minutes longer. So but good job. In fairness, Colin waited a week and we waited an hour for that one. This one we've waited <laughs> six weeks for. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, one, one other thing just to touch on, because uh, we either, I think we alluded towards this in our spoiler-free one and we talked about more off-air, but... All these delays, I'm more forgiving of them delaying this movie now because the context of the plot of this movie, releasing it during certain times of COVID, probably wouldn't have gone over as well. I think this is the only time where people would allow this movie to be released. There's a quarantine line. I was thinking that in the movie when they're like, get those people into quarantine. I'm like, oh, that's clever. Uh, But I, I think Ben's summary was kind of a good sort of way of wrapping it up that a lot of this film if you told someone on paper Blofeld's birthday party, Bond gets absolutely obliterated to all hell by missiles. If you read, read all this stuff, you're thinking, what the hell? But then the moral or the kind of summary of this film, including the death, which is such a big thing, is it just it plays well and it works. And it was a cinematic experience to get to see this, even though we all saw it at completely different times over a six-week period, uh, two of us alone. Um, one of us with a wife who was apparently asleep. Uh, so she just died there. Yeah. I just heard a body flop on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, Colin Single too. Boys night, yay! <laughs> she had all the time in the world. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, and it is such a visually stunning film that needed to be seen on the big screen for both the action and the the death and the title sequence. Um, 
So yeah, that's that's it. Six years in the making. Uh, James Bond is back. 007 is back. Uh, we waited six years. We waited six weeks and six hours, but we finally got to talk about No Time's Die. I feel like we can put a lid on something here. Uh, so great to go through it all. And we'll have plenty of No Time to Die content coming. Like We'll let it sit for a bit, uh, but excited for the recap. But it feels so good to have the new Bond film and now... We've finally got all of our things out for it. Um, you can also listen to our immediate reaction episode. When will that be released, Ben? It's already up, Mr. It Groves. It's already up. <laughs> I, I don't go to the pre-production meeting. no time to die on that one. We've got to get it up. <laughs> yeah. We waited six years, but now we're releasing two episodes <laughs> in one day. Yeah. Uh, so obviously because of the weird way we've pandemic and the way we saw this film we all recorded our immediate immediate reactions straight from the cinema uh so we put that in a separate episode because this is not like the specter one where it was immediate like this is six weeks ago for me i've moved on um <laughs> I but so excited i want to rewatch it i probably will now it's on video on demand already uh and i'm just fully on board with the bond train and all the hype uh even though i've seen it three times um so yeah stay tuned for plenty of things uh colin ben any last final words you want to say before we um, close it off just no nope. tiffany case I was right they you just killed james bond so tiffany case has been vindicated yeah justice for oh. tiffany uh okay stay tuned for more rankings and all of our uh all of our No Time to Die content coming. Uh, I will say, my name is Noah, and the proper function of man is to live, not to exist. I shall not waste my days in trying to prolong them. I shall use my No Time to Die. <laughs> and my name is Colin, and yes, I like animals. Bye-bye. That's gonna be my opening line for the recap. Fuck you, Colin. <laughs> <laughs> and my name is Dudu.
kill james bond.